Sit back and relax while you listen to the Train Kickers podcast. I'm Dave, and with my friend Dan, we plan to inform and entertain you everything miniature wargaming related. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to go over, along with a special guest that we have, a sort of intro into Adeptus Titanicus by Games Workshop. The intention of the episode is for anyone who is either just getting into the game or maybe considering it to give them a better idea from three people who have been playing it now for a while. And now, on to the show. And uh, how are you, Dan, now who has his voice back, hopefully, and doesn't sound like a raspy old man? Well, I still sound like a raspy old man. It probably comes across on the mic, but I am surviving. I did survive, and uh, I will persevere. <laughs> I've learned my lesson of wearing a mask uh, while cutting leaves, mulching yes. leaves. <laughs> yes, I, I do apologize for anyone listening that we missed last week. Um, There's a few chances to record. Dan, un- unfortunately, had destroyed his voice with leaves, Um, and there was just some other around the holidays it's always tough to schedule a lot of people had different things they had going on so we 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 unfortunately missed but we're going to try to try to keep to a, a better schedule going forward um yeah, we, we can blame me i'm okay with this one <laughs> I, I am blaming you i have no problem with that that's absolutely fine with me that makes perfect sense um oh, right, do you want to bring our guest in then of course of course um we're talking about titanicus today one of actually probably my favorite game of all time um this is actually my number one favorite game next to Epic. And I'm going to bring in a good friend of mine who uh, I've played 30K with, long-standing rivalry. Uh, he also plays Titanicus. He's also been doing a absolutely wonderful uh, beginner's league for Titanicus. Um, and he'll talk, talk all about that as well. Uh, my friend Steve. Say hello, Steve. Hello, hello. Thank you for inviting me on to your podcast. All right. Um, is there anything you would like to add in that Dan didn't mention? You know, feel free to give any online handles or, or or anywhere people can can see if you've been painting or anything like that. Anything you want to throw out there? So I do have an Instagram. I'm very bad at updating it, but I do have one at um, at walking at a hobby pace. Um, right. That is my Instagram. And then for the league specifically, I set up a Facebook page called The Valens Hive Reporter. Which basically, I'm just taking pictures from the games, battle reports, editing it down, and putting it out in a way so that people who are involved in the league and they want to share their games, who necessarily want to, you know, put their own public face out there for it, can, you know, share their experiences, and people could just follow along if they want to. Nice. Uh, what uh, hey, what store are you doing that out of? Oh. Sorry. What store you. are you doing that out of? Ah, I'm running the league out of Toywiz. They're located off Route 59 in Nanuet, New York. Mm-hmm. They're probably about 45 minutes north of uh, Manhattan. Not bad. Not bad. It's not. It's not. And I will point out that Steve is being extremely uh, mellow about what he's done. The man has actually built a. Was it six feet tall? It's was only it four tall? foot two inches. Was it only four feet? Oh, because I guess yeah, it was on the table. table yeah, yeah. he built a four for our last event. He built a four foot space elevator for the Titanic escape. And it's, it's, we'll put pictures on obviously the show notes and everything. And we'll give you the links for the show notes to the Facebook page. But yeah, no, that he's being extremely modest when he says uh, <laughs> anything about that, Atticus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll make sure we get that posted in. 
definitely. I'll get pictures your, sent your way. Yeah, a little bit of flair for the dramatic set pieces that did theater and hide. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to build a nice set for this game. You know, it's the first event I'm running for the game, and I wanted to give it a real impact. So, like, you know what? Four-foot tower, let's go. The tower is literally a space elevator. <laughs> it was so great. So great. So great. Yeah, we have a lot to talk to uh, discuss on that. But I feel like that's something to cover later on. Oh, yes, of course, uh, yeah. of course. Um, what other... <sighs> so just, just out of my own curiosity, maybe others. What other games do you play? Or is, so this, uh, my, is this your only baby? So my top three games right now that I'm in love with are Battlefleet Gothic, Adeptus Titanicus, and The Horse Heresy. Just because right. the communities built around them are more my kind of communities. Um, you know, it's more story-driven and, you know, the visual appeal of it over the crunch of it. Um, and just the, you know, the Warhammer universe is so compelling. It so is. things with a strong oh. hobby focus. Definitely. Okay. Like, point out all those games are my top three games. So... <laughs> That's true. Epic, Battlefleet, and Horus Heresy. Some of the best games GW has ever made. We were doing Battlefleet there yeah. for a while. But, yeah, uh, and then I died. So yeah. <laughs> I still got my Necrons hanging out. Oh, I still got my fleet. All right. So um looking um just a little bit of a peek behind the curtain because why not in putting this together normally i put some notes together and all and um I, I let these two mad lads at it and they wrote more than i think i've ever written or seen written in terms of show notes so normally would go through a little bit of news and all we're going to do some maybe news at the end um but since it's mostly titanic is themed we're going to kind of keep everything related to that so i think we'll just go straight into the main segment of the show then so um, either one of you, doesn't make a difference, or if each one wants to, why don't we start with a little bit of, a, of an elevator pitch? So the elevator pitch is usually your, your 30 second to one minute, you know, why you should care about this game. Go ahead, Steve. All right. Four words. Big, you're constantly engaged. You're never waiting for more than two minutes while your opponent debates. Oh, man, what way do I want to move? You're constantly playing the game. The models are absolutely fantastic. The entire line has such a high range of um, posability, at least for Titans. Um, there's so much detail. And when I was a kid, I remember looking at pictures of. Um, you know, Titans from Fortress going, wow, I wish I could have one of those. And with this game, I could have 10 of those. Maybe only three or four in a game, but yeah. The, the visual appeal of this game is amazing, and the mechanics yeah. follow it beautifully. Agreed. Uh, how about you, Dan? Do you have anything, any elevator uh, pitching you got to yeah. throw out there? I was going to do the actual reverse. I was going to say, if you're looking oh. for a game that is, no, I was going to say like the, the I was going to go the reverse side. If you're looking for a game that has like just amazing mechanics 
uh, playability wise. This is an alternate activating game. This is this is a game where it's it's I it's it is I go you go, but it's squad activation. And even when he's going, I'm there. He's going for maybe two minutes, and I'm still figuring out whether I'm you know supercharging my shields or not. You know that's an actual decision. Um, and you know if he's activating one titan but not activating another, I might have an ability to charge the titan that he didn't activate in time. And I mean, and to his visual appeal, this this game just looks beautiful. You're pitting robots the size of sky well, maybe not skyscrapers, but like what four, five, six story tall buildings in combat. I mean, if you ever watch, if you're as a kid, I watched Robot Jocks, and this is basically what that is. Um, and it's just, and you know, you have these big robots, and just, hell, some of them are mutated, some of them have tails now because of the trade allegiance. But um, yeah, it's just a fun, just a fun game. I I don't think I've ever not had a game where even if I've lost, I've just been laughing my ass off at the loss and and wanting to play sure. again. Yeah, I th- I think a lot of it boils down to at least say me as a kid or the way you say as a kid or a lot of us as kids, you know robots and stuff like that is something that you like something you're into and you know we can debate is it a robot or not and all that kind of stuff but that didn't matter when your kid especially doesn't matter it's a giant stompy looking object and things like that and you like that about it this feeds into that it gives you nice models to look at it gives you a, a nice clean rule set i honestly i feel it's one of the cleaner rule sets the gw has done because they don't complicate it and part of that i mean they do support the game but they don't um, go as much into it as some of their more mainline, and I think that's actually to its advantage. It doesn't get a lot of excess bloat beyond just having a lot of books. Um, so I think that helps it. And you know, for one of their games, if you do want to get into it, it's not that many models you need. It's not that much stuff you can get by very quickly. And you can decide if you want some of the other things as you go along, whereas opposed to if you're doing Age of Sigmar or 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 40k to get a full army, you need quite a bit of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But okay, so why don't we um why don't we go through a little bit of the history of the game just to to give people a little bit of a perspective, especially if you're not either new to to GW or at least new to some of the more specialist games because this game. So the current version came out in 2018, but before that hadn't existed in... When did they actually do away with Specialist? That I don't know. Oh, no. Oh, God. I don't want to... Rev- I don't even remember. I remember how sad I was. Early, 20, I, early 2010s. Was it like 2014? Was it 20, hold on. I was... I want to say I was in college, and it was close enough to be graduating high school. So I'd say 2010. I'd say 2010. Right. Out of my sophomore year of college. I'd say 2010. I, I, I'd say 2010. Okay. Because I, I, I had never played any of their specialist games. I think they were around. I was gaming at that point, but I don't think too, too much. I was essentially yeah. just doing 40K. Didn't even know there was like other games out there kind of uh, the way I was going. So. Yeah, no, they got rid of a 2010, 2011. Because I remember BFG, Battle of the Gothic, got a 2010 F- FAQ. Mm. And then right after that, it disappeared. So um, I'll I'll do the parts I know, and then you yeah, guys can fill in more details I know. So so the original game, it was launched in December 1988. It actually came from White Dwarf. It was from the White Dwarf 108. It was titled the you know Deptus Titanicus. You you can go and and see all this kind of stuff. Um, 
they they came out with rules then it was followed shortly thereafter with their first box set had um six warlord titans in it had some styrofoam train rulers dice tokens all the things you need to be able to play the game it was shortly after that that they rolled out space marine which was you know the smaller models the actual you know army size things those two ended up getting blended together into what they called epic 40k or epic and that's actually where i came in i actually never played the original titanicus i played epic and i played all the iterations of epic um and i remember during that time period it was still one of my favorite games to play because it was alternating activations um but I always remember it was kind of weird because I remember, I, I remember playing it and I remember looking at the Titans on the table. And I'll talk about this much later when we get to like Titanicus and today, in modern day, 2021. But the old version of Titanicus, or at least the old version of Titans, were super scaled off. Um, mm. um, my friend and I, John, had to do the math. And the infantry were about six to eight millimeters. Tanks were about four to five millimeter. Super heavies. Uh, they were bonkers insane so like some tanks were two to three millimeters warlord titans were the size of like warhounds nowadays it was just really weird the scaling and i remember looking at that still a fun game to play but i always was like why is this warlord so small you know that's always a thought in the back of my mind when i used to play old epic i don't see did you ever play (laughs) no that was well before my time i'm just a child compared to the rest of you apparently hey 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 Don't you A2 out? I'm the old man, apparently, then. I got a couple of years on <laughs> you. Titanicus is eight years older than I am, so. Yeah, it's got a bit of time on me. I never got a chance to play the original. Yeah. Yeah, never well, played the original. Epic was what I played. I, I don't think GW honestly cared at all about scale then. I think it was we made these models, they were really cool. We're going to go with that. You know, I, I, I don't think that was any of a concern. I mean,. W- they would come out with, like, I forget the one, some of the stuff, but it was like just whole towers of like orc weird boys. And it's like, oh, here's your model. It's a tower. And the idea is it's full of weird boys and they're going to do your spells. Because, you know, they started with only Imperial stuff. Once they actually did Space Marine, that's when they started introducing some orc things shortly thereafter, some Eldar that's when they started giving them some larger of their titans or or gargants for the orcs and all oh yeah um, none of which I mean, has made it over to titanicus and probably no, not won't. yet not yet if there's money there's a but if there's money there's see for me i and i had to research this a little bit because i didn't put two and two together kind of weirdly enough i didn't realize that like titanicus and kind of epic were kind of the original driving forces of what we know now as the Horus Heresy. Oh yeah. Um, Titanic is I had to, cause I, I remember writing that down or you writing, I guess you wrote that down and I had to yep. do a lot of research on that. I'm like, wait, really? And yeah, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the stuff for the Horus Heresy was actually solidified. It was codified during that time. Um, Horus turning to the warp was actually written in the Titanicus book, the death of Sanguinius and the, uh, uh, what's it called? Black rage. Um, Oh crap! Uh, what are the Blood Rage, Black Rage, Black Rage. Yes, um, that was codified. The Red Rage, um, all that. Uh, it, yeah, it, it, all the Eisenstein, of, Garrow, all that. All of that all was actually captains. Code- yeah, 
that I, I didn't realize that until I was like, oh crap. Yeah, yeah that was pretty cool. Titanicus came out. It was just like, a, oh yeah, you know, there was a general. His name was Horus, and he had a rebellion. Didn't know how big the rebellion was. Didn't have any of these characters besides we knew there was a Horus. So Titanicus is what gave us basically the foundation of modern 40k in a sense. Oh, most definitely. Th th there was nothing to the Horus Heresy before. It was it was a passing line in the original book. Oh yeah, th th there was there, there was a heresy. They they came out with this box set. They wanted to make these models, but then they had a problem of, well, if you only have one side and we only have essentially one model, the first box set was only Warlords. So you want to be able to tell people you can play against each other, but we want to be able to give them a little bit more fluff reason and all. So they went to this idea of, well, you have traitors and loyalists. And hey, these six models, yeah, you call them either side and we'll give you more and more. So the um, we were talking about this the other day. The Horse Heresy is... Is it 60 books now? Oh, way is? more. Hold on. Hold on. No, 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 no. It's way more. I was talking oh, with you... John about this the other day. Um, not counting like weird, stupid offshoot stuff, just the main line. No. I think it's like 60. Are we including the Siege of are we including the Siege of Terror? Like the new stuff they're putting out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The new stuff as well. Oh god, no. Steve, do you know how many it is? Uh, uh, bro, I, I think it I grew up with stuff like 80 books. Might might be it. I forget what we were yeah. talking about that the have, other day. I'll put it this way: I have all the books they ever did, because uh, you know I like collecting, so I have all the books. None of the first. Yeah. I never liked. I never did the special. Never did the special edition stuff. That that that's not me. Uh, but I have all the books, and if I'm looking at my bookshelf, it's one, two, three shelves, and the books are stacked horizontally, not vertically. That's three shelves of books of just Horus Heresy. That's a lot of books. Yeah, uh, it's I mean, it's. Uh, yeah. So, so that whole line essentially exists because they wanted to make big stompy robots. Yeah. I'll get there. Listen, made one of my favorite games, so <laughs> I ain't gonna complain. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, no, no complaint about it. But that's definitely where it came from. That's why. Oh, it's a, that's why it's a thing today. Yeah. Uh, but like, the sad part is, and I still always. So, <sighs> they did kill it. <laughs> they did kill it and i will always remember because i wanted to start battlefleet gothic and like this was in college i wanted to start battlefleet gothic and i bought myself three strike cruisers and a battle barge and back in the day steve will laugh at this they were metal uh that battle barge metal. <laughs> that battle barge was metal that that thing was uh put in a sock and kill someone kind of stuff um yeah. and i bought okay. it he oh yeah I don't know how it stood on the flight stand. I still don't know. Um, but uh, I bought it, painted it, really excited, ready to play my first game. And it was that day when I was heading to Games Workshop that they released that Specialist Games was being shut down. Did they ever yep. give a good reason other than it's not making us enough money? You know, I don't remember. I just, I remember being mad. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I can't remember for the life of me. I don't know. Steve, do you remember this? I remember that era. I was probably in the hobby for two, three years at that point when they shut all that down. I remember going, oh man, that's such a shame. I would really love the Mechanicus fleet. Those ships are kind of cool. Um, oh, they were cool. Had it been 2013, 2012, 2013, they pulled everything because I remember going to a GT in 2012. 
and my buddy was debating getting a strike cruiser to put on his RV display base and paint it as a hologram, like it was some sort of strategic uplink or something like that. Hmm. But yeah. Cool. I remember like going, oh man, they're taking this down. I better go download every PDF on the website because, you know, back then, all the special games oh, had their yeah. rules as free downloads. And yep, I, I played that game. version of Necromunda hard. Oh, Necromunda is another good game. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard very mixed things about the new. Do you play with? It? I, <laughs> That's always I'll go that one for a while. Not all good things. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, no, I haven't, I haven't it, touched it, but but yeah, no, they killed it. They killed it, and yeah. for the longest time, I and I think you know, I still have those stupid. I I, I still have those stupid metal ships downstairs. They're still packed up in the foam. I don't think I've ever broken them all. Um, come to your white scars. No, they still have. Better still have. Large. I, I don't want it's. It's so heavy. I, I literally have no idea how it's going to stand on the sixteen mil flight base. I, I when I when I I wish I was joking when I say that it's the most unbalanced model I've ever seen in my entire life because the flight peg is is technically in the middle, but the ass of the battle barge is so goddamn thick so heavy. that yeah, it's just it's 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 insanity. You got to put another peg it, on it. It's metal, you guys. So what I so you want to laugh at this? You know, I put the for those who, by the way, little side note for those who are listening, Battlefleet Gothic, buy Drop Zone Commander um, flight pegs, and they oh, fit absolutely. perfectly into yeah. Um, so I did that, Dave. I did that, and it snapped the flight peg off the sixty mil base. <laughs> snapped oh. it right out. I didn't even yeah no. consider that could happen. That's nutty. No, it just went. And, just, and what was funny was it didn't even topple over. It literally sat on the engine facing up as if to mock me. <sighs> but yeah, no, that was that was a fun time. That was a fun time. That was a fun time. I'll always uh, that'll always be good times for me. But yeah. All right. Yeah. So then, uh, why don't we get into its uh, glorious rebirth? So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so it came back in 2018. Do either of you guys know any any of the uh, the reasons why they brought it back? Anything like that? Or the oh, I remember there was a I want to say it was a Games Day. They had Resin Warlords, and they were playing. They were demoing the game, and people could come mm-hmm. in and they could play the game. I wasn't there, but you know, I read an article about it. And the, and it got a lot of traction. You know, dudes there were loving this thing. Like, yo, you know, GW proper, can we do something here? Because people are really liking this game. But, you know, pure resin games aren't the most popular. I know, like, Aeronaut Imperialis, before the current one, was an all-resin Forge World game. Yeah, and it yep. kind of struggles from what I understand. And, you know, Horus Heresy, too. You know, it was niche. People really loved it. That's because it also could transition back and forth to 40k with Titanicus, you know. If you bought Resin Titans and you had no one to play with, now you're stuck with Resin Titans, and no one's gonna go out like, oh, I saw a Titan in the store. It, they're not. You don't have any, you know, that, oh, impulse purchases, none of that. So mm. they were like, you know, go to Games Workshop, they go, hey, we get this in plastic. They work on it, they've remodeled everything from the resin to the plastic, and mm. They dropped Titanicus in early 2018. Yep. Yeah. And and originally it was, it was intended only to be that first box they did. 
There was no intention originally yeah. to do anything oh. more than that because they didn't so think it would is, do well. Yeah. And this is where I'm going to come in because I remember that box and I remember saying, eh, two warlords. It kept, so the, the, the original box in 2018 came with the rule book, some terrain, uh, all the tokens you needed, um, the tap, not tablets, what they called them. Terminals. Terminals. Terminals, which are the basically your health bar for your, um, and your status bar for your Titans. And it came with two warlords and six restorers. So side note really quick about the game. If you have two warlords and six Questorus, so that's like one warlord aside and three Questorus aside, the game's going to be boring. The warlords are going to ping it. Oh, and the warlords only had the one set of weapons. The warlords are going to ping off each other, and the Questorus sides are going to do jack shit. So I was sitting there like, I remember Epic, I remember Titanus, and I'm like, eh, this game, eh, okay, looks good. And then I remember, so it was selling, Dave. It was selling. People were buying it and playing it. And I remember the moment they released the Reaver. And this was like three months later where they teased the Reaver Titan. Mm -hmm. And it went nuts. Or I think they teased the Warhound first. I can't remember which one it was. Warhound and then Reavers. Then Reavers. And I remember the moment they teased the Warhound. And I remember thinking, holy shit, this might actually be a thing. And then I tried to find a box of the two Warlords and Six Crystores, and not a single box was on the shelves for months. For months, no one could get that damn thing because people saw the Warhounds and be like, wait a minute, are they going to do Reavers? Are they going to do other Titans? So people started buying the boxes and you could not find that box anywhere. That, that's what really ended up doing it. Because I said originally, and, and they've come out and said this, when, when the people who made the first box figured this was all we get, we get to make this box, here you go. And then it sold great. And they said, okay, maybe there's some interest. They started, you know, you know, workshopping some of the other Titans. Okay, what can we do? Because, you know, a lot of them, they essentially just, they have a lot of these files from what they already had. And it's like, okay, can, can we can we use those as templates? What can we do with this to be able to do it? And they were able to drum up enough interest that it made sense for them to continue the game, at least, you know, to the extent that they are the stent that probably, would you say it's the, it, it's the most um, supported Specialist game they currently have. I think Blood Bowl gets the most releases. Horsers is specialist. Is Horsers a specialist game? Do we consider? I would count it as specialist. Yes. Hmm. All right. So then I'd say Horse Heresy first over Blood Bowl. Um. The Horse Heresy doesn't really get much support from mainline GW. They get stuff from Forge World, exactly. But. And Titanic gets some Forge World stuff now too, of course, but they don't really get mainline things. So, yeah, I'd say Blood Bowl. I'd agree with Steve. I'd say Blood Bowl, Necromunda, definitely. Necromunda is brand new, essentially. Yeah. So here's the the weird part. Like, so I haven't seen a Blood Bowl release in a little while. You know, I've seen Titanic releases. Oh, did they? Oh, never mind. I take that. Yeah, or, or they, they also did Dungeon yeah, Bowl. Yeah. Oh, Dungeon Bowl. That's right. <laughs> Which is just Blood Bowl. <laughs> Blood Bowl and Dungeon. Yeah. They, they did but a like, couple teams know, I, very recently, too. Oh, okay, okay. But, uh, yeah, so then I'd say Blood Bowl. Then I, yeah, I'll, I'll say Blood Bowl. But see, it's not like Titanicus is on the bottom. It's, it's, it's up there in like the top three because they don't get releases every month. It is but, a consistent schedule. Yes, it's almost like you get something. 
Not even yeah. every six. I'd say every like every three because we just had the Armagers. Uh, uh, yeah, books too. Yeah, every three. Yeah, last three yeah. months was uh, the 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 uh, traitor, and then the three months before was loyalist. And yeah, the two iconoclasts sprinkled in between those two. Oh, that's uh, right. The icon- freaking the iconoclasts. I forgot about those. Before that was the Asterius. Before that was the um. What's what's the the tall Mechanicus Knight? The um, oh um Atropo. Atropo. Yes. So yeah, no, no. The, the, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's between Blood Bowl and Titanicus. It's definitely between Blood Bowl and Titanicus because they have had, it's consistent releases. That's why I, I like I like that. It's consistent releases. All right. Um, anything else history wise that you guys know or want to discuss? I don't really like. So I I I only know what I read because I wasn't involved with any of this kind of stuff. I mean, I didn't even play JW stuff until Fifth Edition. Oh, that's right when I started. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't do any work until then. So I played in Jersey Gardens for those, giving my location a little bit, but no, I played uh, Jersey Gardens back in the fourth edition. I still have that black uh, rule book, too. It's not in the best condition, but oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will point out that historically, too, that old Titans, despite being horribly scaled, were some of the goofiest, coolest-looking '80s metal models. Like, not I mean metal as in like the type of material, like metal as in like, like rock and like, roll, maybe. Yeah, like rock and roll metal, like models you'll ever see. They they were some goofy-looking, great models. Oh, a lot of the <laughs> old stuff is just naughty. Oh, uh, well, old, old models, the, the, especially the old Titan models. You know that were. I mean, but who did they have to compete against? They had what BattleTech and BattleTech stuff looks either cool or like utter garbage. So they could do what they wanted. It was fine. I love BattleTech. No one, hopefully, none of the grunge beards that hear this. We love no, BattleTech. I love BattleTech. Yeah, but those guys, those old, those old mechs look awful. Yeah. <laughs> New mechs look so much better. Almost definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I got nothing else for history. That's pretty much the history. All right. So what um so what we'll do is we'll start going through um a, a bit of the game, and we'll we'll start about we'll talk a little bit about different components and, and pieces and all, and just try to give people an overview, and then we'll go a little bit more into kind of how it works. So why don't, why don't we start with the models? So so or Dan Steve put a lot of his in terms ahead, of good and bad things. and all. So yeah, I have a favorite model hands down, and it is which one? Titan. No, no. No. Yes. So it's when Titanicus cool. dropped like that, scheme looks great, but I don't know. You know, some buddies bought in when the Warhounds dropped. Like, yeah, those are cool, but like, you know, I kind of like the Reavers. They seem like a really good place to be. Um, and at the time, I was like, I want to play. I don't have stuff, so I took some my Tyranids, converted them over, put them on the right bases, used those temporarily, as you know, like a Tyranid invasion setting, 40k setting, right? Just a little a couple years after that, lore wise. Um. And then the Reavers dropped, and I'm like, oh, man, this is tempting. And then the second Reaver box dropped, and that was it. I just, I went all in. I bought my two Reavers. I bought a box of Warhounds, and that's still the core of almost every maniple I run. I love those things. Yeah. There's so much possibility in the legs. The shape is beautiful. The weapons are so diverse. I love them. But there's... 
one problem with the kit, and that's the damn legs. Oh, absolutely. Yes. 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 I even I think I <laughs> I think I noted that literally in bold or underlined. Um so for me, like I love the Reavers. They're so the good here is that and you're gonna hear this probably from Dave as well. The models are exceptional. Like they're they're disgustingly exceptional to the point where if you don't want to paint um detail, um <laughs> good luck. <laughs> you're in the <laughs> wrong are, game. Yeah, this is this is one of the most. So I have an eight millimeter mechanical thrall priest in the gantry of the back of my warlord. That's how detailed I can get it. Um, and to contrast what Steve said, Reaver looks cool. I love thick titans. I mean, I play custodes. I play mechanical thick robots. I love the warlord. The warlord to me is just the epitome of just the thickest, biggest boy. You can bring on the battlefield. Um, and I remember someone did on YouTube this really cool video of like a warlord powering up its volcano cannon and then shooting. And I was just like, yeah, no. The, no. Give me warlords. And then maybe supplement with some warhounds. But give me the biggest, baddest dudes on the table. I need to see explosions. Um, but those models are, 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 are just some of the most, like, just, it's just beautiful. They're just, I, I, I wish I can like not be as gushy over it. Because I sound like a damn fanboy, but um, the, the models are beautiful. And this is this is slight thing with the models. Um, I know Steve mentioned the customizability. The models already have slots in them. Like most of them, Warhounds I think don't. But most of the models have slots in them for magnets already mm -hmm. pre-done. You don't have to drill, you don't yeah. have to do anything. Just take a 5 by 2 magnet, drop it in the arm. You now have magnetization for the million weapons you can do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, great. That that's yeah, that's models for me at least. What about you, Dave? Um, I, I agree. I think it's the Reaver. Um, before I I got one, before I played the game, I thought the Reaver was just the dumbest thing I had ever seen. The look and everything like that. I thought it was really stupid. But for some reason. You know, once I had it, once I played it, and, and kind of put it together and all, for some reason it, it went from honestly the bottom model that I liked to absolutely the one on top. Um, I agree, the legs are an absolute problem. Um, the big thing, so so um, just for anyone of interest, there there's various models. Maybe we'll we'll maybe next after this, once we discuss what we like and all, we'll give a a a, a little bit of a rundown of, of of the types of models and everything like that. Um. But the big thing is all the other models are AutoCAD essentially. Um, they took either old files or, you know, or because they have much larger versions of these through Forge World. And they took that, they looked at it, they thought of ways they could scale it down. And, and a lot of times they redid it entirely, but they use that as a template. So a lot of them are AutoCADed together. So uh, the pieces, you, you have posability, but the pieces kind of fit one way. You know, so, so there's not a confusion as to how to kind of put parts together. You could honestly do it without much in terms of instructions, um, as long as you kind of put the main part of the body together. For Here the reaver, yeah. Oh, oh the <laughs> butt is that for the reaver, the reaver was actually not AutoCAD. The reaver was essentially sculpted, design, everything like that. And since it was done in a different format, um, that just caused them to have a little more variability with what they did, and that caused there to be issue with the way you put the legs. Um, it's been a bit since I've done it, but the biggest issue is it's not, at least the first time putting it together, it's not clearly delineated 
if you're not exceptionally careful with what you do, the correct orientation. So I literally put the legs on back. I put one of the one of the legs on backwards. And the problem is these guys obviously have a lot of armor plates and the plates only fit one way. So the leg can go two different ways. The armor plates go one way. So if you do it wrong, you're kind of screwed. I actually had to cut mine because um, the glue had set, snapped it in one spot, cut it, and then use green stuff and all to um, when I flipped it so that way it would actually look correct. No, yep. that sounds about right. Yeah, there that are was, four that was different armor plates that go on the pistons that have a very specific spot on each, on each foot. There's an inner and outer armor plate for the left and right sides, and the feet are different too. And if you get it backwards, right. the feet are different. it'll never quite go the right way. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, that that's. I mean, out of oh, that was that. I would have probably been pissed. Um, but I mean, that's really the only bad I can think of. Like, I mean, other than like, other than like putting the legs backwards, or like you know, probably not figuring, or you know, hopefully not painting the exception like trim. Oh my god, if you hate trim, dude. Oh my god, no, dear. <laughs> well, Guys, well, well, listen, if you're not. <laughs> our shortcuts, yeah. though, thankfully, there are shortcuts. One hundred percent. Yes, um, we one will. Of the best things about these kits, since we're talking about models, um, yeah. the armor plates and the skeletons are two separate things. Yes, yeah. such a good time saver. Oh my god, yeah. you can literally paint two separate things and then glue the armor plates later. One hundred percent amazing. I will contend that you must do it that way. Yes. If, if you want to really make it work, as soon as those plates are on, you're not going to reach the body. And I think a, a way, you know, you have very few models. So in my mind, at least, my goal is to, to spend some time. And let's face it, you know, so spending a decent amount of money. So I want to spend time. I want it to look good. And yet, yes. maybe I'm not going to pick up the model, turn it upside down, and be able to notice spots I missed. But if I can do it in pieces, it'll look better. And it's also just easier. The whole skeletal yeah. frame is essentially metal, and then you can do the plates and whatever happens from there. So it actually even just works better that way. Yeah, it actually is. So it's funny because I had to learn this. This is one of my mistakes. When I first bought my Warhounds, I stuck not all the metal plates, but some of the metal plates on there. And um, it, it was just, no, it was bad. It was bad. Um, but I learned from that, you know what I mean? And I paint, you know, the skeletons are separate yeah. from the armor plates. But that's, I mean, there's really not a lot bad for the models. Like, I can't, I'm trying to, like, really hard think. I'm trying, again, trying not to fanboy, but I can't really think of anything bad. I mean, it, it goes without saying that there is, of course, a cost-related issue but that's true of anything and war games and especially yeah. anything gw so well actually with cost i'll talk about this a little bit later but with cost there's actually ways to like oh, we'll talk about that later i'll talk about that later I'll talk about... Yeah. maybe before we get much further maybe we should do a sort of very high level breakdown of, of the way the game goes just so that way there's there's a bit of context of, of to what we're talking about. I mean, it makes sense. Okay, we're talking about models. People understand models. But maybe just a high level of, of what the game is, how it plays, what you're doing, what your goal is. Sure, let's do that. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. Right. Yeah, Whoever would right. like to do that. I mean, Steve, you're the, you're the one running right. the intro league. 
That's true, That's actually. Fair. I've given this explanation a lot of times the last couple of months. Exactly. Right. One more time so, we'll play it. Whenever you build your Titanicus army, your first step is, do you want to play Adeptus Titanicus or Adeptus Nitanicus? Of course, you're going Titanicus because Titans are the shit. So then what you do is go, all right, you know, I really like this Titan. It's my favorite fucking Titan. I'm going to run this thing every chance I get. So you go, okay, cool. I want to run Warlords. Or maybe that's not the way you go. But one way or another, you narrow down your army to, I want to play this Manable. Um, if you played old editions of 40k, um, you might understand it as like, uh, oh, an army of renown, for example. Or if you are a war machine player, it's like your theme for the list, right? So the Manipul tells you, you feel these three titans. And there's these other two titans that you could add to it. Um, one of the base, I think that as like one of the first Manipuls people play with. The Axiom Manipul. It's the best all-rounder. It gives you one warlord, one reaver one Warhound as the basis of it. And then if you want, you could add another Reaver and add another Warhound. So you have between three and five Titans per Maniple. That's your basic army list construction format. And a Maniple ranges between about 750 points to, for some of the bigger ones that use more heavy Titans, like a war, like more Warlords, it goes up to maybe like 1,200 points or so. Um, so sometimes your game size locks out some options, but in general, that's how you pick what Titans you're fielding. And then in return, it's like, all right, you took those Titans. Here's your rule benefit. So for the Axiom, it gives you a lot more forgiving play style because um, we'll get more into this later, but every Titan could take on an order. And the Axiom lets you continue giving orders even after you fail to issue one. So it's very, very forgiving in that respect. And it gives you a nice range of Titans to play with. Um, my personal favorite is the Ferox Maniple. This gives you a Reaver and two Warhounds, and they get this thing called Knife Fighters. So when they're up close, they can use their better skill to hit their opponents. Um, and then from that level, yeah, so you go, you know, I'm playing Titans, I'm playing this Maniple. Um, pick your Legio. If you want, you don't have to pick a Legio. You could play without Legio rules, which has a couple little perks as well. Um, we pick your Legio, and sometimes lets you change what Titans you field. Um, I played Griffonicus, and they say that I could take any Warlord Titan or Warhound Titan and say, nah, it's a Reaver Titan. And uh, it opens up some fun play options there. And then from there, you take your Titan, and you're like, all right, let's give it some weapons. Um, and, you know, every weapon has its special team. We could maybe talk on that later, but that's basically the flow of list writing. So in a typical game, you're going to have between three, or if you really go crazy, you can run a double maniple list and have maybe six or seven titans in your army. And then you could scatter in a couple knight units as well just to fill in points or fill a tactical niche you're missing. Um, so overall in a game, you're having at most ten models on the board between the infantry, you know, the knights of the titans, which is, you know, infantry to Dreadnought, maybe Imperial Knight-sized models. Um, am I missing anything there? No, no that's um, a good... Yeah, what, what I would say when I, when I also think of a, a sort of thought that, if we think of the game in general, kind of like the, the breakdown of how the game goes. So you build your list, you come to the table. Um, it is mission-based, I would say. Um, but it's, it's, it's sort of, you know, separate missions. So you know we have a main objective we have some side objectives 
and it's played over it's what four rounds and then you roll it's been a little bit since i played there's my scenario but the core rule books and like the match place missions are four turns guaranteed Mm. A fifth turn if you roll under an eight on a d10, and then a final sixth turn if you roll under like a four or something. Yeah. But different standards have different numbers. If you want to yeah. do some of the um, narrative ones or whatever. Mm. So, so you're playing over, you know, this this not entirely fixed amount of rounds, where, as Dan said, this is an I go you go system. So we determine an initiative at the start of the turn, whoever ends up getting it or taking the initiative off of that roll ends up doing starting with their things first. Um it's so, alternating. That's the yep. yeah, it alternates. Mm-hmm. So we have various phases. Um Dan, do you want to go through what the phases are? Just again sure. for a high level um, thought. So as we talk about, oh yeah, this, yeah, no, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. So the first phase is the initiative phase, as you pointed out, mm-hmm. where basically who takes the first turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not again; it's not entirely I move all my titans, then you move all your titans. It's I move one titan. I mean, this changes if like you have a squad of warhounds, but still you activate one squad of warhounds. You're not activating your whole army. But even before you move, you have a stratagem phase, and um, as Stephen pointed out, um, you, when you're choosing your mandible, you also have an enormous list of stratagems to choose from. Um, mm-hmm. This is kind of like your stratagems from 40k, but instead one of having, yeah, one big difference is instead of having 40 stratagems per legio, <clears throat> like 40 stratagems per army in 40k, you have 40 stratagems that everyone can choose from, and then maybe each legio has one maybe two if they're lucky stratagems if they're specific but everyone has the same stratagems to choose from so you know dave might be playing a very quick fast force and uh maybe deploying smoke on the battlefield right whereas one of my favorite stratagems of all time and i take it literally 99 percent of my games is warp displacement which is literally my titan rips a hole in the warp and just moves forward 2d6 just ignoring everything in its path. And just goes boop and blinks forward. Um, but you have, you know, you have strafing run, which is an airplane literally strafing across the battlefield. So you play your strats. That's that's two, step two. Yeah. Then after you play your strats, you have the command phase. And I know Steve touched on this. Um, you command your titans. Um, and so you can give them no command, no, no command order. So they act normally. And charge, which is Literally charge forward, emergency repair, uh, which is so you, you, you repair give them right an order. there. Yeah, you give them an order. And mm-hmm. fun fact, a lot of these orders have downsides. So like emergency repair, you might think, oh my God, they can just repair right then and there. Yes, but then you have to choose whether to move or shoot later. You can't do both. Or like you first fire, you get to fire in the movement phase. Wow, that's really stupid powerful. But you can't move. It's just so, one gun. Yeah, it, and it's sure. just one gun too. So it's it's it. There are downsides to the orders, but there's upsides. Then you have the movement phase, which is you move. And again, it's alternating. I have to go back to this. It's, this is what makes it awesome. It is alternating. I am not moving my entire army, and then Steve's not moving his entire army. It's, I choose a warlord to move, and if I screw like it's a, it's a thinking man's game, so I screw up, he could take his warhound and you know shuffle it around to my back. So I may be positioning my warlord to 
be, you know, taking a really great fire at his reaver, but his warhound now has the ability because I moved up to go behind me. And then you could also push to move farther. You could push to have more turns, which increases your heat. And then you have the combat phase. This is the shooting phase, which again, you alternate. And this is where a lot of the, like, it, it sounds stupid, but a lot of the thinking comes in. Because, like, again, going back to my war, I may want to shoot my warlord first, but Steve just maneuvered his warhound behind my warlord. Maybe I might want to shoot with something else, maybe hurt that warhound a little bit before it hurts my war. So, like, now you're like thinking, where do I, do I activate this first? Do I activate this first? Do I, do I shoot this first? Where do I shoot? It's, it's like, it's really cool because every action is going to have some sort of reaction. Because again, you're not going, you know, I go, you go, it's activate, activate, activate. And then you have the cleanup phase, which is, you know, God forbid if your kittens are, are crit or damaged to the point where they're hurting, you might have some negative effects on your titans where they might turn or they might heat up, so on and so forth. So that's basically the, the basic phases of the game. And that's okay. it, because it, it gives right? people an, an idea of what, of, of what the yeah. game looks like. So as we talk about different aspects or what happens to have an idea of what you're actually going to be doing in this game. Yeah, yeah. If I missed anything, please, by all means. Well, one thing <laughs> that's really big with the stratagems, oh, yes. right? It's mm-hmm. one of the things I hate about Modern 40k and love about Titanicus. Yeah. You pick your stratagems before the game begins. So it's built into your strategy of the game. Mm-hmm. It's not a reactionary deal. Mm-hmm. Which means you're not I... spending half an hour going, oh man, you know, do I want to re-roll that die? Like you have your, you know, three or maybe four stratagems if you choose all one point stratagems. And that's what you have to play with. Mm, I agree. I didn't I didn't even pick that out yet. And uh, I correct me if I'm wrong, if there's any that are more than once, the stratagems are also one use. Very part, rarely yeah. are they multi yeah. Very there's rarely a couple, are they like, multi use. Barrage under every yeah. turn. But yeah, generally speaking, it's you know, I get ah, you set my thermal lines. Took some hits to your legs, but then it, it's done. Yeah. yeah. And I should point out the stratagems. Like it's almost it's it sounds stupid. It's almost it's like its own mini game because stratagems will absolutely change the way you play. So mm-hmm. like um, I know Dave, correct me if I'm wrong. One of your favorite stratagems is an outflank, and you do this with your lancers, right? If you um, have them, yeah. I think and that's the stratagems a good are way to do them. Yeah. But I remember, I remember one time you didn't pick outflake, and I maneuvered my warlord in such a way that I was just trying to avoid your outflake, but you completely faked me out. You didn't even take that stratagem. Nope. So I was moving my warlord for no goddamn reason. So it's 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 really cool because, like I said, it's 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 like it's it's its own little mini game almost. I don't know if that makes sense. Am I going crazy? <laughs> it just it means it's tactical. Uh-oh. At the end of the day, that really just means that there's tactics to the yeah. game beyond the tactics of what you are doing while you're playing. It's that sort of, it's that basic of always of a turn zero of a game. There's decisions you make in your game that affect your game before you even actually start to play. Now, you do pick stratagems after you know some information. You know, it's not entirely pick, you know, necessarily yes. always blind, but it's still before you're actually playing. It's you're You're picking it before you need it. So you're having to commit to those decisions before you ever actually even know if you've made a good decision. Yes. And it makes that you like you know your mission objective before you pick your stratagems. Yeah, you know I'm mission, doing this. You know yeah. your deployment, you know your enemy compositions. You're not going to take one that helps only against titans if there's yeah. no titans to fight. But, you know, really, oh, you know, I'm going to outflank then, oh, look at that, my opponent is running everything up the midboard and my outflankers are never going to actually see combat. 
Yeah. Hell, I mean, most of us play, I don't know about you, but I don't even use the core mission objectives more. I love using the, uh, what do they call the, the uh, open, engine open war cards. Yeah. And open war cards are essentially randomized missions with randomized planets, war zones, and everything. And I mean, yes, I take war, warp displacement all the time. But I've actually, because of that, I've actually taken stuff like, um, what was the one I took? Uh, crud. The one that blocks line of sight. It's a smoke field that blocks line of sight. Concealment um, Barrage. The five-inch template? Concealment Barrage. Yeah. I've taken Concealment Barrage for the first time ever. Or Tracer Cloud. That was a lot of fun. I took Tracer Cloud. Never taken that strategy ever in my life. I don't, I don't use it because I'm yeah. Furian and I'm, and I'm amazing. No, but I took Tracer Cloud and I was just like, okay. Because I think this, the mission was, um, it was King of the Hill. And but the funny part was that there was an expanding fire in the middle of the board. So I was like, all right, I know he's got to go to the middle. I have to kill his titans before I catch on fire because I'm Furians and I go hot all the time. So I took Tracer Cloud because I was like, if you're going to stay there, I'm going to get rerolls to hit. So it's, that's what makes it cool. You're literally like, anyway, I'm going to ramble. <laughs> Let me shut up. <laughs> well, that, that's the reason why we didn't do news in the beginning. I anticipated. Yeah. Some rambles and some <laughs> some long goings on, which is absolutely fine. I mean, the, it's a good thing to like a game, have passion about it, and then talk about it. Yeah, that, that's definitely not never a problem, you know. But yeah, no, that I, I missed. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the gameplay. All right. Um, you want to go? Uh, you want to keep talking about like um, like the different things, like terrain and stuff. Yeah, I, th I think now that we've kind of yeah. discussed the overall of, you know, here's the game, here's what you're actually doing. You know, we talked a bit about models. Um, you know what, actually? Hmm. Go ahead. I'm trying to think. Maybe. No, let's go to terrain. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the, the, the about specific of models once we actually get a little bit more involved in it. Yeah. Was, uh, the reason I want to go to terrain is because I want to look at Steve, because I want Steve to talk about this. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know, man. You're the one who outfitted my event. You brought four tables worth of stuff because you're an absolute loon. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, terrain. Um, terrain is one of those things where in this game where it could really change things up. Um, but at the same time, a table that's light on terrain doesn't break the game the same way it might break other games. Um, but I am absolutely a terrain driven person i love the spectacle of the game so i have i need a compelling environment to fight over and think about titanic as being you know a six mil scale game is you could actually have terrain that's meaningful on a table you know it's not you know the corner of two city blocks it's actually you know several city blocks and a park and you can see the mountain in the background like you get to build larger environments which just feel more immersive um, you get to have buildings that are more than one story tall with that one story being a double height story because that's just what's good for gameplay in 28 mil. Um, but yeah, um, I talked about Dan about, uh, with Dan earlier about this and there's a lot of terrain options in this scale. Um, yes. Some of them are great for going on a budget. Some of them are absolute pieces of art. Um, yes. I think that honestly, Dan, I think you're the guy to talk about that because yeah, so that's all about the terrain. So, <laughs> so <laughs> oh, this is see, I'm so glad my wife doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I will. I will cut in one second. <laughs> what I will say related to terrain, 
I agree with what he says. Steve, that yeah, it, the terrain doesn't ruin it unless, and and we'll we'll maybe get into this later. But there's a chance you could play this game and be like, you know what? I don't actually want cool giant robots. I want the smallest little things imaginable. And I will say, if you're playing Night Armies without good terrain, it is not a game. It's not necessarily always a game, even if it's good terrain. But it is not a game if the terrain yeah, isn't, isn't, hide, isn't set. Yeah, because you need to hide Night Armies. Yeah, they are a heavy hide. skew. Yeah. yeah, but but they're 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 an outlier that honestly I think GW did because they could put it in a book and hey like why not maybe people want to buy more stuff. Exactly. To me, you're running a weird thing. Oh, if that's what you want to do. It's like it's yeah, it's like running a, a specialized but yeah. But for terrain, um, Jesus Christ, there's a lot. So the first one that everyone goes to is the GW terrain. GW terrain is your almighty. Looks amazing. Um, looks gothic. Looks like 40k. It is expensive as hell. Um, it is, it is, it is. To have a full 4x4 table of GW terrain is going to cost you upwards of $500, $600. That's not including painting and gluing. It is, uh, it, it requires a lot. Do um, they have a lot of good options for Titanicus scale? So they 100% do. They used okay. to have, this is me being nice, they used to have shit options, which was just square buildings. Um, but recently they came out with beautiful, like, so they have chapel tops like like uh i guess pyramid like tops they have domes now they have churches they i know Forgeworld produces um manufactorums and, and canisters so there is a lot a lot more of an option um to do for gw because before it was just blocks it was literally like rectangular blocks but now with the addition of like what would you call it, steve chapels like church tops? I don't know what the hell to call it. I'm a history teacher and I'm like faking out here. I think of here. them as like gothic building toppers. So it'll yeah, be like, like, it'll look like a church spire, maybe a little octagon yeah, structure. And those spire, all fit onto a two by two of the rectangular city block builds. Yes. Um, one thing I love about the GW terrain, just going to cut in real quick, is go, go, that go, go, go. it has a great amount of dimensionality to it. Which means it's gotcha. super fast to paint up if you just want something that isn't flat. So you spray yes. it black or some other dark color, and then you Zenithal spray it, and it looks great. You have to do totally anything else if you don't want to. I totally didn't do that for our event. What? <laughs> yeah. It handles the quick and dirty yeah. paint job very well. No, it does. It does. It does. But it is expensive. And I, I so yes. I will say that's your that's your starting. So third party companies, dear God in heaven, Jesus Christ, there's a lot. Um I, I listed some here just to kind of hopefully give some direction, but okay. So Dark Ops. Dark Ops is a MDF. Uh, they produce excellent um, buildings that are normal and ruined. So if you're the kind of person that loves to, because buildings are destructible, if you want to replace that building with a destructible version of that building with the same size, boom, they got it. You got Blots, also MDF. Um and they have a crazy amount, Jesus Christ. Um, anything from Gothic to I think they have a full-on train station at that scale. Like a really? like a not a train station, uh what's I guess it is a train elevated station. Trains, like, right? Elevated trains, thank you. My mind was like, but they have like an elevated train station. Um or, uh, drop zone commander, right? Yes, it's so it's, it's so you have foreground. Foreground's a bit more expensive, but it's pre-painted for you. It, it, not pre-painted, sorry, because this is MDF, so it's not pre-painted. It's like pre-printed. I, I don't know what you would call MDF because it, it's not it has painted. the design and colors already on it. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, okay. I'm not sh- 
Yes, but it, it looks good. It looks good. And they do a really awesome, like, a, like a refinery version of it. Now, maybe, you know what? Maybe you don't want to do buildings. Maybe you're tired of cities. Maybe you're tired of seeing the same old city, right, over and over again. You, you know, go to game mat or urban mats because they have these huge pre-painted rocks, right? These mesas that they use for 40K, but because the scaling is so... Gnostic. Is that a good... Yeah, I was going to say flexible. Scale agnostic, ter- absolutely. Uh, scale agnostic terrain is one yeah. of my favorite things. So like a mesa in 40K, that's you could fit like a dreadnought behind becomes now this massive goddamn mesa at an eight millimeter scale that looks like a like a miniature mountain you know so that's scalable tt combat another excellent mdf um thing uh battlefield in a box i think is defunct i don't know i try to find like information i feel like i heard they were defunct but battlefield in a box again they have Wait, terrain that is i think they're resin uh, Battlefield in the Box Gale was Force um, Gale Force Nine. Yes. No, Gale Force Nine is defunct. No, but I think Battlefield in a Box is more defunct. Like, oh, the, the that same. yes. I don't think they really do much with that anymore. Yeah, but again, that has scalable. That has the mesas and stuff as well. Funny enough, but that also has some really cool like. Um, I think they do like some Star Wars terrain that does yes, like you know do. some radar dishes, but that those work in Titanicus, and then of course. Last but not least, the dreaded GW 3D print. The amount of STLs, I'm not even going to list all the sites. Jesus, because I did some research. Just the amount of files that you can find for 3D printing buildings is. Oh, what was the one that oh, you like, uh, Steve? Grimdark? Is that? Is that? Help me out here. Oh, Steve? They disconnect? Nice. Did I disconnect? He's still there. He's he oh, my connection is, there we oh, go. There we go. There we go. Yeah, I got you. So, what's the one you like, Steve? Oh, okay. Hold on. I, th- I think I'm oh, back. You good? You good? You good? Yeah, All right. Good. I think I'm back. You... There we go. All right. Yeah. So, three printing. Um, I I mean, I have to shout these guys out. They put out phenomenal stuff. Grim Dark Terrain is beautiful. There's a lot of others, but I just subscribed to Grim Dark. Every month they put out a bunch of stuff, and it works with the GW kits, and it is gorgeous. Yeah. So yeah, and I've seen some of the prints. So they they look now. Um, the one thing I will mention on terrain, the last good, um, is that Forge World does produce a board for Adeptus Titanicus. It is probably one of the most. The, so I don't want. This is the greatest board. And the oh, worst board need. that I've ever seen. Ooh, so I'm there's a reason why. No, no, it's, it's it's so so so. First of all, it's the most beautiful board I've ever seen. I've seen it live. I think we had a last heresy event, um, not the one in, in uh, the most recent one, Steve, but like the one a couple. I think we had like Titanicus and Heresy going on at the same time, and it's beautiful. It's it's oh my god, it's gorgeous. Oh my god, I think there's a there's a crashed. Uh, Xyphos, uh Space Marine Fighter in there. As Steve mentioned before, there's a couple of scaled-down uh, Lehman Russes that are destroyed on the table. It's, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. But... But... <laughs> <laughs> but it is not flat. Um, and if you have resin bases, like the 99% of us that use resin bases, um, 
it is awful to put your models on that thing because they will tip, they will they will falter, they will go, and it's impossible to put buildings on that table. It's 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 not modular. So like okay. like like a, like you can you can buy like a flat gaming mat, you know, neoprene gaming mat, and you can modulate all that. You know, you can put it wherever you want. Right. This one you have to put buildings in certain locations, or they just won't fit. Um. So it's just so stupid to play on, because every little bump, every little piece of rubble is going to knock your Titan around, and it's just it. It sucks. But it's beautiful. And one and one thing we didn't yeah. say before, but will um, will make some sense as to why that can be so problematic. This is not a pre-measure game. So unlike a lot oh, of games oops. where like it really doesn't matter. Like okay, I could know at all points I'm x distance from you. Oh, that terrain piece is always there. This other terrain piece is always there. I know how far apart they are. It wouldn't matter. In this, it does because. If your train's always in the same spot, if you start to learn those distances, yeah, you could easily know how far you are away from each other when you're not really supposed to be doing it that way. I mean, there's a workaround for it. Um, in the new really? Books, oh, girl, you an upgrade for 15 points. You could buy yourself some ranging auspexes. That is in true. In the combat phase, you could pre-measure uh, ranging arcs. That is one of the new gears. That is it. Um, that yeah, that's cross course. Yes, but uh, no, that's it for terrain. It, it, the terrain is what makes the breaker. And you honestly just Google Titanicus terrain or Titanicus boards, and you can see some some just beautiful, beautiful boards, and a lot of inspiration. And some again, they're not all cities. I just I'm looking at Google right now. Someone built a beautiful desert version of like a Titanicus board, and it just has rocks on it, and it's just it, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And that one or two things that give you a sense of scale, and all of a sudden, it all just comes together. Yeah, like no, one it's, thing it's I love, I got a bunch of, I think it's Z scale for um, trains, a bunch of little cars. Yeah. Got like a bag of 100 for 10 bucks. And I would just scatter those things on a table because it gives a sense of size to Titans. And fun fact um, all those, like, you know, little Christmas village trees that are on sale around now, um, those are actually the right size for trees if you scale no, them and do the map. Yeah. Wait, those like are, yeah, like that's the size that pine trees actually grow to. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh god, I don't want to. Like Christmas shop, I hate Christmas shop. <laughs> Wait till after the holiday; it'll all go on sale. Like it'll it'll all go on sale. Okay, off, I, I did them all up, throw them in your car. Actually, that's not a bad idea. So I might actually have to. I didn't know that. That's awesome. That's why I love this podcast. I mean, you could easily, I mean, if you're a person who has a lot of, say, train stuff, you could easily go with probably a bunch of, like, O-scale stuff to at least, you know, catch your buy and all. It might not always be perfect, but, I mean, you can you can make it work. This is definitely a game where, over time, either you or someone in your group is going to be putting all the nice stuff together, getting all together, because you're going to want to invest that sort of time into it. But to get yourself started, yeah, you can find just about anything to do this with. I'll also point out because I know Steve mentioned scale again. Honestly, just finding rocks outside, like big boy rocks, will also work for scale. You find yourself a nice big what foot tall rock, not even foot, like six inch rock. That blocks that warlord. blocks like yeah, that blocks a warlord. So like, <laughs> it doesn't really require a lot. Every, everyone's it's one of those played. games where it's like you can go expensive. <laughs> yeah. No, no, go ahead. I was played poor hammer. 
Yeah, Texas Pour Hammer uh, Coffee Cup 40K. Beer can. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I know, and, and this is, I'm excited to, I want to talk about the tokens. Because right. I know Steve loves a version of tokens. And I, lo- that's, that's I love a, a version spot to of go tokens. Next. Absolutely. So, so we got models, you have terrain. So we're kind of almost doing a rundown of, of what you need to be able to actually play the game. So you need your models, Whoa, you need your terrain. So now they give you tokens. Like, like you don't necessarily need to go fancy with tokens. You can get by. But I'm, I'm sure you're about to tell out. us how to get fancy. <laughs> no, no. He's going to tell you how to get fancy. I'm going to tell you to cheap it out. <laughs> We're going to oh, flip. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love verisimilitude. I like, I'm a very hands-on person. I like being able to touch and interact with physical objects. It's just the way I'm built, right? In Titanicus, every Titan you have has its own terminal where it has space for your weapon cards. It has a spot where you can put in a dice, a die marking what order your Titan has, if any. And then it has tracks for the status of all your different systems. So you have one tracking how hot your engines are running. If you're going too hot, you're going to have problems. And there's little warning lights. They don't actually have, you know, there's a little track. And there's little color-coded lights that tell you, you know, are you in the danger zone? Um, and Warhounds have a habit of blowing themselves up. And I do it about once every third game. Or at least one Warhound says, you know what? I don't really want to be here. I'm just blow up and, you know, scatter my pieces everywhere. Um, under that, you have your Void Shield Integrity. Um, you could heal your shield, but once they're depleted, it's harder to raise them. And then under that, you have the actual physical locations on your body. Um, you got your head, you got your body, you got your legs. They each have different armor values in ranges. Um, and you have a little, tra- a little token that you can slide along this track. Well, move along this track. It doesn't slide. And that tracks, basically, at first, it tracks... The armor panels on your Titan. Are they still on there or has someone blown them off with the volcano cannon? And then past that track, there's a separate track for your critical damage. And once you run out of critical damage, that's when your Titan's no longer with us. And as you take damage, um, you move the tracker along and tells you, oh, you know, took a hit to your body. Now your reactor's going to be overheating because you got all these connections that are messed up. Um, you got a second hit to your body. Now your void shield generator's knocked out. And third one, you're really putting on heat. You got no void shields, and you're probably going to cook alive before the end of the game. And each location has its own effects that go with that. And then the very bottom, you have to swap your weapon cards. If you get hit in a weapon, you allocate damage and flip it over. It's broken. You could fix it later. And if you get hit again there, your ammunition explodes and does damage to your body. So there's all kinds of cool stuff going on there. I love the hands-on of being able to look at it. It feels like you are commanding a Titan as you're moving this thing around. But then Dan is going to point out that there's a uh, there's a downside to this thing. Yes. So as much as I love that, you know, and I will say the tokens are beautiful, and I you could still probably buy them. Um, and they're like, are they cards? Would you call it cardstock, Steve? It's cardstock. It's was card was cardstock they made smaller terminals with the same cardstock and now they have paper stuff yeah, in the boxes no no fine cards so so it's thick cardboard cardstock so it's a, you can actually like hit someone and they won't actually bend cut it off it is a thick piece of board um it is beautiful i agree with everything steve said i love the movement of the tokens it feels great um i am clumsy 
<laughs> waiting for Dave to kind of just I can feel Dave I, smiling. I'm, I'm just I'm, listening. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, about I'm your clumsiness here. Oh, I'm clumsy. I'm, I'm a clumsy person. I, I do. I ham fist um, my models. I don't ham fist others, but I ham fist my models. Um, and I'm very clumsy. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, I like to I get excited. You can tell from my voice. I move my hands a lot when I talk. It's a Cuban thing. Um, and because of that, I tend to bump the terminals a lot. So the, the things start moving. I just, and also the setup sometimes takes forever. You know? However, however, there is an iPad app. There's an app for that. So it's called, uh, where, where's my iPad? Did my daughter take my iPad? My daughter took my iPad. Titan Tracker? So Titan Tracker is the one for um, Apple devices. Mm. And Tie Terminal is the one for everyone else. Yeah, for both. Us glorious um, e- Android users. Yeah, and either one works. And it's an, it takes the terminal and it just literally digitizes it. So I I use Tie Terminal because you're able to make you're, you're able to create the list on the thing yes. instead of just making the Titans. And so I open up the Manable. Uh, you can actually name the Titans. So <clears throat> I nameplated my Titans. Shocking, I know. The person who named all his custodians named his Titans. What? Which um, went first? So, it was the Titans first, right? Yes, it was. It was oh, the Titans, then Battlefleet, then Custodians. Titans. Only 10 Titans <sighs> is how many hundreds of Custodians? Okay. <laughs> no, but so like they're all named on the iPad. Um, so like, you know, Steve is shooting um, Mifrit Hakim. Right, I open up on the iPad from Hakeem's terminal, and I can mark his damage, mark his heat, so on and so forth. So it, I keep it all on the iPad. The only problem with that, there is a downside. So the good side is, big one, yeah. It took me five seconds to open this up. Right. The downside is he can't see it. So the cool yep. thing about this game is like it's a four by four table. So the other two feet, because most most tables are six by four. You usually use that other two feet for your terminals. You can observe the terminals of your opponent. The problem is he can't observe the terminal unless I like keep it in the middle. So what I actually do most games is I stand it up in the middle. We both can see it because what tight terminal does is it actually highlights like almost a video game. It'll turn the body of the mech yellow or orange or red. So you can see the damage. Um, But it's not as detailed as looking at someone's tracker. Yeah. So you're trading, uh, uh, Ease of use for uh, I, I don't know how to, what to call this. You're, you're trading ease of, of use for. I guess. I mean, it's not like you're hiding the info because I could be like, "Hey, look, it's here's my open information when you're playing the game." Yeah, so exactly. Sort of like, wait, which Warhammer was the one that had shields knocked out? I wanted to finish that. Exactly. One I can't. Exactly. No, the app does show like a shield around a Titan, and it'll actually show no shield around a Titan, so it will visually show you. But it's not as like, you know, it doesn't tell you, oh, does he have one more shield health or does he have three more shield health? Does that make sense? Yeah. So that that's the problem. It is open information that is at least unintentionally slightly ever so hidden. Yes. You know, it, it means you're going to be exactly. an, you're going to be at answering for your opponent or your opponent's going to be looking through a lot more to find out what's actually going on with your Titans. Slash, you, you'd probably do the same, because it's not as easy for you to see it either. At all times. No, again, like, because I've, I've used the terminal so much that I now know, like, yellow is, you know, uh, plus one, orange is plus two, red is plus three, or crit. 
So like I could tell which ones are pretty damaged or which ones are running hot. Um, but again, to someone who doesn't know that and just uses the Titan terminals, it is, it is, it takes more time to kind of show them. Yeah. So you, again, you're, you're now mind you, GW could just, I, I, I put this as a joke. I was like, GW could just make the stupid app. Like, why are they third sourcing the app? You know how many, you, you have Warmer Plus, which is a subscription for your 40K and Age of Sigmar battle, uh, um, army builders. Just make a Titanicus app. Just pay the dude for the rights to the Titanicus app. Just, what? The, you're hiring anim- animators. Like you're, but, uh, listen, I would rather them monetize it and then have them update it then, like, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> but the, GW, why do you hate money? Come on. This is like one of the easiest money makers you could do. <laughs> Look at their apps and tell me that you want them controlling it. Hold on. Their Age of Sigmar app is excellent. Because they're of, two different companies. Their Age of Sigmar app, excellent. Their Age of Sigmar app is nice unless it's new stuff and you haven't bought the book because then you don't get to see any of it. True. Their 40k app is is uh, well, you know I'm not I'm not hired by GW. Why am I hesitating? Their their 40k app is shit. No, I we'll, don't know what company we'll they chose. We'll start chilling when they start sending me free when they start yeah. sending us free shit. Yeah, exactly. I'll shit. We'll hey GW, send me the custodians book. Let's go. Come on. Yeah, I know you listen. If any of them, no, if any of them like, are listening, listen. we would absolutely <laughs> review their stuff if they sign up. But we'll be honest. Yeah, you know, I'll change my tune. No, but no, their 40 cap. I don't know who they hired for their 40 cap, but and I'm sorry for the company. I'm sorry if someone did this, and I'm sorry if you listened to this shit. Wrong. It's wrong. Validation is wrong. It took it's just, it's three awful. months to come out. It was oh, like, God, it's so bad. Yeah. They could, they, all they had to do was hire the Age of Sigmar people to make the same damn app. Like, what? Just, I don't understand what the... I don't even know. But, um... But um, yeah, no, it's just it, it surprised me that it was such a difference between the Age of Sigmar app and the 40k app. Um, but yeah, no, that that's that's what I have to say about the tokens because there's really not like it's not like Infinity. So I know we we did Infinity Dave as one of the yes. podcasts, and I said one of the downsides of Infinity is if you want like really nice tokens, it is going to cost you a a pretty penny, right? And you could agree, it is going to. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you could print them out and put them on little wooden discs, but. But it is going to cost a pretty penny, and there are a lot of tokens for Infinity. So hopefully, there aren't a lot of tokens for Titanicus. Oh, what happened? No, no, I was going to say, hopefully for anyone who who was listening then, who was getting into Infinity, when Warsenal was doing their sale, I got my token sets, I got all my stuff for, honestly, I got token sets, I got my rulers, I got additional token sets, I got my... um, Silhouettes, all of that for essentially the price of the token set. Oh yeah, because so, I know they were doing. I yeah, yeah. Look, they do look good, for deals, but it's still it's still yes, look for deals. But the the difference here is Titanicus, even though it has little tiny tiny pegs, it's much cheaper in terms of tokens. Like disgustingly, I'm looking at eBay right now because I wanted to back up what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Just buying a set of Terminal Titans, or t- t- Titan Terminals of the original cardstock, like the, the good shit. Um, what is it, so and so, so six warlords for four bucks? Yeah, no, it's, yeah, nothing, literally nothing. And even beyond that, the original three titans and the original two night drop kits they dropped, you could get all those terminals as downloads free off the Games Workshop um, right. website. 
They don't have the newer stuff. Um, so the one thing you can't really source rules for outside of the apps or the actual card terminals is the Acastus. Everything else is either in the kit or on the website. Funny enough, this is since we're talking about tokens and the rules and 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 the rules and models. This is a good segue to like rules about the game, like mm-hmm. the actual rule set. Because I know we talked about like the phases and how to play the game, but we actually haven't really talked about like, like, like what what, what, what like I mean no actually yeah I say we we talked about the rules right. We, we talked about I, the alternate activations ideas, but not like what makes the mechanics gripping. I guess yeah I, yeah. Yeah, I I think it's worthwhile to do at least a little bit of a talk of 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 you know th- that sort of more a little bit more of that mechanical crunch. Not necessarily maybe going so in depth. I think we could probably save that exactly. for a separate thing when we do it. But maybe just a little bit more to give people more of a of a taste. Because also, I mean, exactly. I, I mean, I've done forty k. I think most people have to some extent. But there might be some people who are looking at this game who didn't, especially now as you know. Um. So the one bit of news we'll talk about. Actually, yeah, we're gonna. We're going to take a, a, a small momentary break here and talk about one bit of news to date this podcast is, what was it, three, four days ago when they showed the um, the teaser trailer for Space Marine 2? Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, you could have people who just, I mean, there's people out there who play the video game who honestly didn't know that there was a tabletop game. In the very first game, I remember, there was like Warlord Titans and stuff like that. One of the spots you go through is a manufactorum. So there could be people who look at it and say, oh, that's kind of cool. And, you know, or there's different phone games and all for Titanicus who might know some of the stuff, not really know 40K as much. So saying, you know, some of these things that might not have meant much. But I think we have to take a second and and maybe discuss that trailer. Did you see that, Steve? Did you watch the trailer? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. There it is. I couldn't tell if you were excited at first or not. <laughs> Uh, it's a bit of both. Um, I'm definitely getting this game, and I'm definitely playing it. Yeah. Of course, it's Primaris. I'm not. I'm still not in love with Primaris as an overall idea. But like Captain mm-hmm. Titus is back, baby. I'm gonna go kill some Tyranids, which I normally never root for. But yeah, good question, bugs. Yeah. How? No, um... I agree. Primaris. How do we know that? Is it just because of his like literal size? Is it a symbol it's, it's, on him? Okay, it's the armor. It's okay. the same thing yeah. as I said for every thirty k model. Look at the knees. Yeah. Oh, I see. I look at the uh, the gorget, gorget, gorget. Yeah, I always thought about the knees because there's that like, there's that little I, flange on the top of the knee. It's like mm-hmm. oh, that's a Primaris model. They all have that built in, and nothing pre-Primaris has that in the visual language of it. Got it. Okay. I knew he was, because everyone said it. It made sense to me. I understood that. But since I'm not as well versed in the newer stuff of 40K in terms of that, I wasn't sure. I know people have already been like, okay, you know, he's in what? Second company because of the heraldry, the gold on like his right shoulder. They're the ones who do that and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, I'll also point out the helmet is there. Oh, also, I don't know if anyone noticed in the trailer, purple eyes on the Imperial Guardsmen who are Cadian. Yes. That was a really oh, nice yes, touch. More accuracy. That was, I didn't, I, I picked it up like in the third time around. I was like, wait a minute. And I remember reading that. And I remember that was a really cool little side fact that I remember reading the books years ago. And I remember just sitting there like, that's really damn cool <laughs> like, that they got that. So I was, I was pretty, yeah, no. That would be a nice little break from Titanicus, but yes, absolutely. All right. 
I'm absolutely looking forward to it. They, of course, don't give you any idea of when it could ever come out, and who knows. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly saying it. Uh, maybe it's further along than they're letting on, but I have a feeling it's going to miss next year. I think it'll be 2022. I don't think we late 2022, November, December. I think that Christmas. Honestly, let them take their time. Let them take their time, please. Well, actually, you know what, though? I will say, they did show a little bit of gameplay footage. I didn't notice it at first, but in one of the ones, I think I was watching on IGN the other day, there is a bit of gameplay at the end of it. So maybe they actually have more put together than they're willing to sell. Yeah. That's what I think about the original Space Marine 2. The graphics are, oh my god, beautiful. Oh my lord, have mercy. It's it's only on new stuff. You can't play it on any old systems. Honestly, I even have a gaming laptop, and I was like, I'll do it on Xbox. I'll do it on Xbox. I'm going to start saving up pennies. Oh, man. I need a new console. I hated that. I hated that. I kind of shriek like a little girl when I saw Captain Titus. It's been 10 years. 10 years. That game was so dead. Like, like, maybe it's because of nostalgic glasses, but that game was good. Multiplayer playing as a dreadnought was just great. I'm sorry. There were issues in multiplayer because of the way they. Um, put lots of things on the client side, and they had yeah, players the servers, hosting. Yes. But aside from that, yeah, no, I had it, a lot it, of fun with that game. I killed so many orcs in the exterminator. Yes. Game. A stupid question. Side question. Yeah, no, no, go for it. What was go your What was your favorite weapon? Mm. I'll help it. Thunder hammer. That that thunder hammer and pistol. Thunder Fury hammer only if I got the jetpack. Hmm. If I don't have I the jetpack, then I don't want a thunder hammer. And here's why: because you gotta, you only heal by killing things in close combat with glory kills and stuff like that. Which means I gotta run up, get shot up, hit things, try to glory kill it, hope I don't get shot up too much while they're doing that. I understand their idea; it looks nice and cinematic, but it made it a little bit rough later on, especially when you went against those two chaos marines with their thunder hammers. Oh yes, I did forget that. Over. What about yep, you, Steve? And- in multiplayer, probably the Stalker Bolter. Um, I can't do it nowadays. I don't know how I was so good at this when I was younger, but hearing those headshots, getting the double shot out of that thing, oh my god, it was brutal. Um, but in single player, um, sorry, in campaign, I mean, the classic Bolter is always nice. Just a nice all-round weapon. That or the Storm Bolter, I gotta think. Oh, Storm yeah. Bolter was great. Yeah. But you what get you, that Dave? when you start... The thing I found with that is oh. that by the time you get it, that's because you're going against like Chaos Marines, and those guys can just eat bullets for days. Um, oh, yeah. I don't probably have heavy bolter. Like, it's horrible and inaccurate. It's great when they run close because you just tear them to shreds. Because um, I think when I was playing that, I really wasn't even doing much with 40K at that point. I think I maybe played a little bit. So that was like a really nice kind of first foray into the system and kind of seeing the world around it and all. And I, because when I played it, I didn't even know it was weird that uh, you have this sorcerer who calls for corn to show up. I didn't even know that was a weird thing at the time. So. It was, like, it was a lot of people got introduced to 40k because of that. I do know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with like Astartes on, on YouTube. A lot, even a lot of kids, a lot of kids got introduced to 40k because of stuff like that. So the fact that there's a Space Marine 2 is going to be, it's going to be good. Yeah. For the hobby as a whole. Oh, absolutely. All right, we'll get back, we'll get back on track there. 
but I uh, yeah, that's at least one. No, no, bit no, of, no that was a good news. break. <laughs> and and I think it, it, like I said, it brings up a good point of this idea of you know we'll do a little you know we won't do a deep dive into the rule set we'll do that in the future but a little bit more than just maybe that cursory glance in case people are unfamiliar with these sort of uh, exactly. these game exactly. systems. I mean, uh, the one thing since we're talking about the rule set, the the one thing I'm going to say about this, and this is probably my biggest sell point with the game. I didn't mention this like in the the sell point for the 30 seconds, but I want to mention this now. I think one of the best things about this game especially now that they released the loyalist book and the trader book it's not a convoluted rule set (laughs) it's not the 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 convolution or the the complexity comes from the actual gameplay of you thinking all right do i move this mech do i do this titan this titan the the rule set's not convoluted kind of like at all there's some minor discrepancies in people who like super rule read but for the normal gamer, this is as pretty clear cut as a rule set as you're going to get. Um, and one of the biggest gripes with this game was that you need like, I think, eight books, right? So, someone can fact check me on this one. You need the rule book. And then you needed like, if you wanted to carry all the books, it was eight different books, right? I did this a couple of weeks ago. It was, that sounds bad. Oh, right. God. Yeah, I think yeah, it's a little it's, less it than that, but and, and I was going to say, that was going to be my biggest gripe. But, this is where, again, this is the... But they released the Loyalist. Exactly. They released the Loyalist and the Trader book. The Loyalist book has every Loyalist Legio, custom Legios, all the stratagems, specialized Loyalist stratagems, and the, 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 all the armor. That, all the manacles. All the weapon rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything. Well, the Trader book. Don't have oh, custom Legios in that book. Oh, really? True. Nope. Oh, oh! So you still for custom legios? Complete rules library next to me right now. But yeah, the oh, legio, okay. legio okay. books are pretty much a one-stop shop for everything. If you want, like, I love this legio. Oh yeah, I love mortis. I'm going to go pick up the book that's the mortis rules, right. and then exactly. you're done. You're done. Mm. Um, and it's and unless you're doing like campaigns or anything, then you pick up the campaign books. Or if you're doing knights, there's a specific knight book, and I'm trying to remember Doom of Moloch. No, Doom Moloch is the knight book, but other than, but again, that's one stop shop. <laughs> you yep. don't need another book. If that. you're an oddball and you want to do either black shields, think of them as like mercenary or you know like for um, for hire, or I don't like the emperor, I don't like Horus. So anything in that range, that would be defensive Riza gives you mm-hmm. your legion abilities for them, and build a legio stuff. As well as the fancy um, banners that Imperial Knight armies can take. Yeah, so like now that they've released those books, you don't need to carry a lot of rule books. Like I look at 40k and you need the rule book, you need the FAQ, you need your codex, you need your FAQ for the codex. Let's say you're Tyranid, you need the Doom of Arcturus and the FAQ when that comes out. So I'm up to six. Was that six yep, already? Six. Yeah. You're and six fun fact, because we were just talking about it in my, in my, oh, it gets worse. We're talking about this in chat today. Guess what? Chapter um, approved. Oh, wait, I'm not even, oh, no, 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 no. It gets worse. White Dwarf is coming out this month with a complete it's that is tournament meta breaking. Like, it's so going to br- really you, you robot it in the, the middle. To, like, coming oh, out with sorry, a what sorry, now? sorry, sorry. It's okay. Oh, sorry. I'll try to get no. So White Dwarf is coming out with an army of renown for Tyranids. Mm. Uh, that's completely meta breaking. We were already making lists for tournaments. Um, 
So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven with the white dwarf. That, that's not okay. And that's not even like I'm bringing campaigns. Oh my god, yeah, but that's not, I'm not even bringing campaign books. That's literally rule books for my army. That, that's and not okay. all memorized too, or else you have to take seven hours. Yeah, no, that's not okay. That's not okay. So Titanic is really Titanic is has that. It's 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 not it's not convoluted. Very little facts. Is there even a facts for the trainer book or loyalist book? I don't even know. That's no. That's what they, not what they did traitor, was they yeah. took everything that changed in the loyalist and trader books, and they put out FAQs that updated all the old books to the new information. Oh, so that okay. So you even need to buy the new yeah, books. Three upgrades if you have the old books. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So the that's best the best game Games Workshop make in terms of like yes. serving the community. One thousand percent agree. But that's what I'm just going to say on the rules net. I know there are other things, but I'm going to just kind of put that out there as like number one, amazing. Someone else take the lead. <laughs> um, Steve, if you if you want to um speak to any bit more of the rules because it seems like you're running a lot more leagues you're probably having to explain this to a lot more people a lot more often currently yeah. than i am yep so um yeah how do i put it so in this game your positioning matters a lot um mm -hmm. it's not as forgiving as other um tabletop games are like 40k or age of sigmar titans can only attack things that are with an arc for their weapon they move at full speed if they're within their front 90 degree arc. Otherwise, moving at half speed to the sides or rear. Um, you can only turn a limited number of times with your Titan. So on something like a Warlord, like if you have someone behind you causing problems, you have to deal with that. You're in your bad spot. Um, and even further, um, every um, weapon, it's by location, not by weapon. But every location a weapon can be mounted has a particular arc it could fire in. And usually that's a front 90 degree cone. But on um, your Warlords and on the Warbringers, which is in between the Reaver and the Warlords, one of the Oddball Titans, um, their top weapons only fire directly ahead of the Titan. And it's mm -hmm. hard to get those arcs lined up if you don't have enough activations to respond with those heavier Titans. Um, which adds a whole other level to list building complexity. Um, so positioning is huge in this game, just for being able to attack. Um, on top of that, if someone attacks you from a, the side or the rear, they get a bonus of doing damage against you. Mm -hmm. And that combined with armor being blown off bonuses, maybe a legio or a maniple bonus, all of a sudden, you know, you have a bolter that's doing critical damage to a titan, which... Is not where it should normally sit. So positioning is huge. Um, with Titans, um, if you're within two inches of them, you're underneath the Void Shield bubble, and you just bypass their shields. Like positioning and distance to target, because you have range modifiers, weapon by weapon. Like positioning in this game is huge, and that's something that might catch people off guard at first, who are more used to say 40k or Sigmar. Um, if you play games like War Machine, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You know, I'm being flanked. They're getting bonuses, so I'm going to not let them do that. But, yeah. Um, that's one of the big takeaways, I think, on gameplay. Positioning is huge. Um, it's mostly a D6-based system, so, you know, 
-hmm. attacks are generally speaking, you know, you roll a d6 to hit, some number of dice based on whether it's a rapid fire weapon or a big weapon. Um, But then other things use a d10. Um, So when you're issuing orders to a Titan, you roll a d10. When you're determining who goes first in a turn, it's a d10. And some weapons, like the Melta Cannon at short range, roll a d10 to do damage, which makes them, oh my god, lethal. Um, I feel like I'm missing something big here. <laughs> Dave, uh, Dan, you got something there? Um, uh, Dave, you got something here? Um, I mean, for that, I mean, again, for this this sort of this sort of high level going over the rules, you know, like I said, you know, it's you know, you you have this, you know, D six style system, you know, like I said, it, it's this no pre measure sort of system. Um, we you know we talked a bit about the the way weapons work. We talked a little bit about the way the basic movement works. So you're going to move first. Later, you're going to fire. Um, it's again this idea of this sort of of back and forth. Getting close, you know, be aware that depending on these Titans, a lot of them can be very, very slow. In general, I mean, there, there, there's ways to speed things up and things like that. But in general, they can be very slow. So, you know, there is both ranged weapons. There's also melee weapons. Um, your rules of what type of skills you use change depending on that. So you have both a ballista skill and a weapon skill. In general, your ballista skill is better than your weapon skill. But when you get close enough you're still allowed to fire your giant destructive gun that fires lava out, but you're going to act like you're using a sword to do it. So, you know, you're going to be using your, say your weapon skill might make it a lot more tough. Um, Talked a bit about that. We talked a bit about arcs. I also want to point out, well, okay. So I was also going to point out really quick, um, because you mentioned 40k players. Um, maybe with the exception of like Porphyrians, and maybe one of you can disagree with me here. The balance of this game is not bad. Um, I've rarely run into something where I'm saying that's horseshit. Um, when Porphyrians first came out, absolutely, they were they Great. were horseshit. Uh, and now they're limited to the point where I think you can only even take one if you have a maniple. It's ridiculous. Um. And just quake cannon and it's gone. <laughs> it's useless. Um, but overall, now with the new editions of traders and 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 the loyalist books, the legios are pretty much brought to the same level. Like for example, Kratos. Kratos is probably one of my coolest legions that I never painted because the rules were just so bad. But now, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Beautiful legion. They're like teal and black, teal and black with orange. So there, or like teal and black I, with bone. I'm trying to remember what Kratos. I know they're teal. I, I know they're teal. Mostly teal. I don't think there's a lot of black yeah. in Kratos. I think it's like black highlights. With the point is, Kratos had shit rules when they first came out. Um, but now one of their special rules is they can uh, what is it? Concuss or quake a titan for one round, ignoring their void shields. So if the missile hits you, you're quaked and concussed, which is. Fucking insanity! You just yeah, across the field. Yeah, so to translate yeah. that to oh, sorry, I should have probably translated that right. So what Quake does is, if it hits you, you're moving at half speed. So you know your slow Titans get even slower. Your fast ones lose a big part of their advantage. Concussive is 
huge, though. Um, it does one of two things. Well, it does two things. It will knock a Titan either backwards or force it to turn, because it's just, you know, it's a high-impact concussive hit. It's going to spin you, you around. And if it hits a Knight Banner, the Knights automatically become shaken, which basically means that, like, their morale is broken, and they're going to take a lot of negative penalties for that. Mm-hmm. So, they balanced it. Yeah, they, they've, they've balanced it. And I, I'm trying to, like, figure out a way. Like, again, spamming Porphyrians, which you can't do anymore, used to break the game. But, I don't I mean, honestly, there's a lot of counterplay. Like, it's a pretty balanced game with very little shit. I think a lot of that also helps because, I mean, when it's all said and done, you also have you have a good amount of weapon options, but you don't have a, an ex, a large amount of Titan options. You know, not not talking about um, little knights or anything like that, because that's a different tactic and all. But when you think of, of the larger ones, you, there's not a wide variety of them, so they can focus more on okay, making sure the the stats feel good, and then you can focus on making sure the weapons can handle different scenarios. So you know, it, it usually ends up being a rock paper scissors to some extent of. You know, the biggest Titans you have are usually potentially harmed by some of the smaller ones because the big issues, like you said, you need to be able to see them. Usually the smaller you are, the faster you move. You know, Warhounds of, of Titan classes move the fastest. You know, so if, if, if you know, a Warlord or one of the Akana class or something like that sees it, yeah, it can do terrible damage to it, but you shouldn't be seen. You should be able to move fast enough. You should be able to get around you know, to be able to actually harm them. So I, I think that a lot of the balance comes from that. They, so, so let's go back for a second, Titan wise. So what are the actual, again, not Knights who forget about them, little boys for a second, Titan wise. So, so working, working our way up way. from the bottom. Yep. So the smallest Titan they've released so far is the Warhound Titan. Mm -hmm. um, it is six stories tall and it mounts two light weapons on its arms. Mm -hmm. It is a fast Titan. But because it's so small, it doesn't have as many redundancies built in. So it has less armor on it, and it has a much faster um, reactor and shield track. Mm -hmm. um, so you mean you'll heat up quicker, I should say. Yeah, yes. or you lose shields so, quicker. Um, when you're moving a Titan, there is a rule that lets you increase your movement to a second higher tier. But the drawback of that is you risk overheating your reactor. And if mm -hmm. you get unlucky, you could start what I call the Warhound Death Spiral. Because um, <laughs> after you take on two heat, essentially, onto your reactors, you enter Bad Stage 1, the orange. <laughs> and every turn in the repair phase, before you get to repair, you roll a die, and you something bad happens. Either you take a hit to your body, your shields collapse, or take D3 hits to your body, or if you really put yourself in a bad spot and you get yourself to red, oh man, are you in for a bad time? Rolling a D10 on that table. So if by by a miracle you don't um, roll the one to save yourself and take just one hit at a high strength, you could just explode immediately. Yep. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200 bucks. You explode in the middle of the sequence. Which means if that's the first Titan you activate to repair in a round, your other Titans might not have their stuff repaired, and they're going to get hit again before they can raise their voids. 
Um, so yeah, Warhounds fast. Um, they're great for flanking things. They're very maneuverable. I feel like they're one of the more forgiving Titans in terms of positioning. Absolutely. But the drawback is they're not forgiving if you take risks and aren't conservative with your resources. Um, they're they're good for repositioning, but they get hurt very badly with bad positioning because they yes. cannot survive what bigger Titans can do to them. Yep, exactly. Um, stepping up from there is my absolute favorite and Dave's too, the yep. Reaver. It is, in my opinion, the best Titan because it does a little bit of everything, but it's not a master of none kind of deal. Um, the Reavers are tankier than Warhounds because they're a larger Titan. They're about eight stories tall. Um, they have a longer reactor track, and it's also configured in a more forgiving manner. So it takes a lot longer before you're risking blowing yourself up or dropping shields or taking hits. Um, it also has a little bit more shields on its track, so it could take a few more shots before it's exposed. It has a decent speed and maneuverability. Um, it has a base of six inches. I can push its reactor to go nine inches. Um, with my Legio Griffonicus, you could buy an upgrade so that you're always going nine inches. Um, mm -hmm. Compared to the Warhound's eight-inch base or 12 if you risk pushing it. That's still a really fast model. And it's almost as maneuverable as well. Um, all of its tracks have a little bit more armor to them, so you'll be in it a little bit longer when you get swinging. And my favorite thing about the Reaver is that it has melee weapons. You got two options. Yes. You got Chain Fist, Power Fist. You got all the guns. And it's just my absolute favorite Titan. Hands down. It's a good... It's a overall general trend of what you see is the the, the larger the class because they they give you know it's gw so they give every class a, a name these aren't actually bad these are pretty good names but essentially they give them all name a scale so bigger scales but the bigger you are in general the more heat you can take the more shields you have the more damage you can absorb your armor tends to be a bit better some spots are lower than others the head is usually um shorter tracks but usually harder to get through so better armor legs usually have longer tracks but much uh but a bit lower in the armor and all but you also tend to carry heavier weapons so that's the the overall trend of what you see yep yeah so the reavers rails get other fun things like the um the melta cannon which is a personal favorite of mine yep. um Fires a, a small, fires a small blast, it's got a decent range, it doesn't heat up your reactor, and if you get up close, it rolls that D10, and all oh my, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, Reaver, just the, the weight of the weapons, the, you know, the speed, the ability to punch things, like, it's all just such a nice package. Stepping up from uh, that. And the, and the points are nice as well, because it's not, yeah. it, it, it's, it's a nice mid-level of what it's going to cost you. Definitely. Um, in a thousand point game, you could fit three hmm. with weapons and a little bit of points to spare. Um, up from that is the Warbringer. It is the first Titan that was designed after Titanicus came out. Um, they designed the 28 mil scale and the 6 mil scale models at the same time. And they did several iterations of printing the design seeing how it felt next to the other models. So that was, I think it was also the first ad 28 scale Titan as well. Cause I think that's when they moved over. 
in a Forge Vault's design process. Interesting. Okay. Okay. But yeah. So the Warbringer is like a Reaver, but it's a little bit slower. It's a little bit less maneuverable, a little bit more durable. And the big thing about the Warbringer is that um, it has the Reaver-grade arm weapons, but then on top, instead of having a Warhound-grade carapace option, it has a Warlord arm scale option. Mm. Um, so that's where it gets like the big guns of the game. Those things, when they hit, they hit hard. But it's one of those weapons where on a Warbringer, that carapace option has just that corridor you could fire down. So it's hard to line up the shots. And there's not very, very many mana pulls you could squeeze it into. Um, I think there's three mana pulls now for it. I believe so. It had, they where, essentially have their own mana pulls. They didn't go into any yes. of the others. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's one where it goes with Warhounds, the act of spotters. There's one where it's with Reavers. There's one with its Warlords. And it's a hard one to fit into a list. There's, one, it there's, does there's cool two things. with... So there's two with warhounds. There's two with warhounds. There's two with warhounds. Oh, I got I think there's one with the spotter and one with um something else. So there was it's two with warhounds or two with reavers. I think there's four. Also, there's four. Um, yeah, but I'll take I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll oh, take you talk your favorite. Yeah. Yeah, you, 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 everyone shut up. It's warlord time. <laughs> Warlords. Um, these things are ten stories tall. These are big they're beefy they're thick they're slow they don't turn very good <laughs> but they bring some of the biggest baddest weapons known to mankind uh you want a volcano cannon that shoots quite literally not lava but I mean, essentially <laughs> essentially will melt anything in the nearby area they got volcano cannons you want um a quake cannon that shoots basically a siege shell that will quake an entire city block they got seed shells you want a, a a gatling blaster that's basically the 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 810 warthog but mounted on a 10-story building sure they got that and then you know what you, you said reavers with power fist how about a warlord power fist oh yeah they got warlord power fists and Wanna on top of that first, yeah you know what i got warp jump hair hole in the warp <laughs> Um, no, and then they got two carapace weapons. They get these two shoulder weapons, which are essentially two reaver weapons on the top of their carapace. Um, I mean, their downside is that they're slow. They don't turn very good. But you put these things in the right position at the right time, they will literally one-shot a warhound um, before it even turns. It is, they, are, they are the description of just death on wheels, or death on legs. Um, they're god engines. Yeah, they're god engines. They are they are the 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 just amazing in my opinion. They just they're just good. You want something destroyed, you go with Warlord. Of course, there's they're not the biggest anymore though. No. Um they used to be the biggest. Mm -hmm. Now we got thicker. We got thick boys, right? Who wants to talk about them? Because I'll do it again. Go ahead. <laughs> You're already in the middle of it. I, I wouldn't dare uh, step on your toes. I'm right in the middle? Yeah, cover it. Oh, my God, yes. Um, there's two of them, and I always forget the, the, the traitor version because I don't want the double melee. I always forget the name of him. Uh, but you have the War Master. Uh, the War Master is scale. What is the scale of a War Master? Well. 
Is it really 12? Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's 12. 12 Jesus Christ. It's a 12-story Titan. Um, and there's the melee version, and there's the gun version. Um, the gun version owns essentially what is two plasma coils that she, it's just it's it's a monstrosity it's armed with two arm weapons that is just plasma that will just shear through a warlord if it wanted to um it's armed with <laughs> we call them tit guns they kind of are essentially they're they're warhound weapons but mounted in the armpits of the gu- of the of the warlord there's two of them so you got two warlords too are they really- oh yeah that's right there yeah, there is a melt in there. Jesus Christ! So yeah, no, it, it, so it's got two reverse, uh, the two reverse size weapons in its armpits. It's got two Titan killing weapons in its arms, and then because you know that wasn't enough, of course, it's forty k. On its carapace weapon, it's got uh, essentially a a armor shearing missile. That's the nicest way to put that. Um, and that's just the gun version. The melee yeah. version is I, I i call it melee but it does have an eight inch gun that does also hurt immensely but it's, but it's eight inches uh, and it's it's still yeah, it's, it's a melee version the iconic class is it is melee, melee, but yeah, with, and this is i mean i didn't mention this before but like the way you choose your strats can absolutely change the way so that like now with the trainer book you can have a warmaster titan literally move 12 inches if you want and then move another TD6. It could get up 24 inches if you're lucky up the board and just like then be in melee range, which is disgusting. But it's got two melee weapons essentially that either one will just, again, absolutely tear apart any Titan that it touches. It's just, it, it, I don't think, I really don't even think a Warlord can stand two of its hits um, unless you completely miss. And then it could also run its, its wonderful Tit Reaver guns, its little armpit guns. And then instead of a missile, it's got because it needs it. I don't know why. It's got a huge. Um, is it? Well, it's not. It's not. Is it? It's not the Warhound Bolter, is it? It's like stronger. It's, it's, it's an upscaled version of it, basically. Yeah, yeah it's an upscaled Warhound Bolter, essentially. That just it's just it's they're insane. They it's they so run it. Silly. It's so silly. They they're not they're as fast as the warlord. They turn as quick as the warlord. No, they're not. They're four six. They are because here's the thing about the war master, right? Oh, that's right. I forgot about such (laughs) an immense machine. (laughs) They had to make a new size of card terminal to run it. That's almost twice the size of a normal one. Because you got the two arms, you got your two (laughs) arm pits, you got your top gun, right? Then and... you get one more thing you get to pick on your Titan. You get to pick your special ancillary reactor. And there's now four of them mm-hmm. that are out. Yes. And you can, I, I mean, to give you the very brief overview, one makes you cool down quick. One makes you move quick. One makes you, I don't know the melee ones. So, melee ones you'll have to, yeah. Yeah. So I have this kit so I can talk on this one. Um, oh, okay. There so we one of them lets you do an extra smash attack while you're moving. So basically you could pick someone in the middle of your run or do an extra kick at the end of your run. Um, so when you're charging, it gives you more attacks and it boosts your strength. Cause that's, you know, cause you need more than strength a thousand. Um, and then the other one lets you um, get bonuses to shield. I think it lets you always boost your save and reroll ones. Like, 
too. I will honestly switch the reactors between the two versions of the Titans because it, to me it sounds would, like the one that came with the gun one works great on the melee and vice versa. But that's the cool thing about Titanicus. <laughs> you can do that. Yeah. The one downside is you can't switch the carapace and the arm weapons between them. Yeah, no. That, that does suck. But I'm not in my tables. Um, honestly... And I think everyone else is doing that too, but officially the answer is no. This one is a game where everyone's cool. And you say, yeah, hey, you know, I want exactly. to do a melee arm and a plasma arm. You're like, yeah, that's cool. Do it. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, though. The double melee, because I was theory, now that I have the trader book, and I'm not going to go into super detail for the sake of time, yeah. but the double melee version can absolutely 100% get into melee and turn two. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, with, with, I'm not even including mutations. So this is something slightly you can mutate trainer titans with demon abilities and demon powers, ignoring mutations, just completely ignoring that. You could still what's the average on two d six seven, right? Is, is it, so I can move him twelve, warp him seven. So that's already what nineteen inches, and then if I gave him the move move order because he doesn't have any guns, move another six. So. 25 inches up the board on a four by four board. That's okay. Yeah. It's, so a lot of people were kind of like, I know me and Dave talked about this, how we were kind of like, why does it have dual melee? That kind of sucks. And then the trader book came out because the, the, the loyalist book doesn't have a lot of those jinky stuff. It has more of like armor and like war gear and stuff like that. Um, although I know that the loyalists also have that. You could push your Titan for no heat, which is kind of cool. Um, but the trader book has a lot of like these weird kind of like, Hey, you know, here's a downside, but you can now like move extra inches. <laughs> like it's, it's really interesting that they kind of, cause it is a tr- fluff wise, the, what, and Steve, since we have it in front of you, what the hell is the melee Titan called? It's the war master. What? Iconoclast. Thank you. Yeah. The iconoclast is technically trader. You could use it as a loyalist, but it is technically just like the Psy Titan can be used as a traitor. Mm. Actually, it's... no. No, they took that away? Oh, never mind then. Yeah. I lied. Yeah, you can't okay, use okay. it. Okay, used to be. Non-traitor use a Psy Titan. Okay, used to be. That's why. People could... Okay, so good. You can use the Iconoclast as a loyalist Titan, but realistically, let's be honest, you want to mutate it, and you want to give it the traitor... You want to give it some traitor abilities, because... It's just, it's insane. But anyway, it sorry, work that was otherwise. just a side rant. Yeah. yeah. The thing about this the insane size thing, right? So double-sized terminal, every single Titan in this game has three critical damage locations, right? Like, you can take critical damage three times, and then the next time you take a critical damage, you die. This thing has four. Mm. <laughs> Your triangles all of a sudden are squares, and it just you look at the terminal like, wow, this thing is terrifying. It's beef. And it's beef. It, yeah. And here's the, th- here's the thing. The absolute smallest game you could play with one of these things is a 1750 game. Yep. And I think Dan was looking at doing this for one of his games. What do you mean Dan was looking? Dan had the actual list ready to go. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was literally at the event like, yo, who wants to play some 1750? It's, it's three Warhounds. With three boulders, and that's then the I, because it's only uniform, and then the war master with um, I had enough points to give it um, hunting aspects, which is that's a Legio Furian thing. Um, 
but yeah, no, that that was seventeen fifty <laughs> on the dot. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, for for as great and yeah. crazy oh as we're God. saying this you thing is, two warlords. Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing to keep in mind is just the number of points this thing is. You know, so like, yeah, it's big and crazy, but yes, it is yes, it is your list. Also, I mentioned balance. I should point out that in the game, the event that Steve ran, my warlord died to one warhound. Yeah, because the warhound, the legion, and so before I talk about this, I just want to point out. Depending, this game has a lot of variation. Like I, you hear us kind of talk about this game has a, like more variation than what we can actually talk about in this podcast during this time. It would take us an entire other part because I just to give you, so I had to, I had to actually write this down <laughs> only because the level of ridiculousness is because you have variations from the points, then you have variations from choosing either a knight army or a titan army, then you have the variation from going loyalist, traitor, black shield, or custom, right? Because each one of either being traitor or loyalist will unlock certain stratagems because everyone has the same, what, 40, 50 stratagems, but you get a certain extra 10, 12 stratagems if you're traitor or loyalist or black shield, whatever. And you also get different war gear, different everything, right? Then you choose your legios, which also may unlock more war gear, more warlord traits, more specific strats. Then you have your maniple, which was, you, you know, you choose your certain titans of your maniple, and then you have your stratagems. So the variation of this game is is I I don't I cannot think of another game besides BattleTech that has this level of variation. Like when you have a battle master with 16 different variants, right? This is this is that level of craziness. So going back to my example, in during the event, um one of the legios that I was facing off against was a loyalist legio, and his special loyalist legio stratagem is he can drop pod a warhound from space. So for those people who don't know what a drop pod is, they're playing 40k. It's basically, he took his six-story Warhound, correct me if yep. I'm wrong, six-story, his six-story Warhound, loaded it up in a orbital drop pod uh, and dropped <laughs> from orbit behind my Warlord. Um, and because my Warlord was extremely slow, I actually could not turn in time. It took him two turns to do it, but I could not turn enough to damage the Warhound to the point where the Warhound just kept... Attacking my back, attacking my back, attacking my sides, destroyed my my warlord. That was a what two hundred forty point warhound taking down a five hundred forty point warlord. That may not seem balanced, but in the grand scheme of the game, right? That took a stratagem. That took positioning. My other titans were also killing the rest of his army. It in the grand scheme of the game, it is balanced. But anyway. That so like you because you were talking about the yeah, war master. It's, it's point where cost. you feel like you can't play anymore. Like you always could find. Oh, I found the key. I can recover from this. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, that it's just. So that's why because I know you, Dave, you pointed out the points like uh, this, but even the impair the impair uh, oh my God, the war master being so many points. Yeah. You stick two warhounds behind that thing. It's gonna okay. hurt. It's going to be a bad time. Oh, no, you know what absolutely. I mean? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just something to I mean, keep yeah, in mind so. that, you know, the, we're talking about how, you know, insane and great and wondrous thing is. It is also exceedingly expensive, so. Yes. Uh, but yeah, no. Um, that, that, that's, that's it for me. <laughs> that's all right. Now, one um, big I, thing throughout the Warmaster. 
it does mm-hmm. not fit into any maniples. No. So essentially, you have a legal army with that attached to it. Yes. For list writing purposes. Because you need a maniple. Should have yes. pointed that out. Yeah, it requires a maniple. One, at least one maniple. So the cheapest maniple is 600 points. So 1,020 plus 600 is exactly. You get the point. Ah, <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, um l- looking at time because we we've been going for a bit. I thought this might run long, and um, I I think it definitely will. But I think in the interest of of anyone listening, I think we should break this up into some pieces for people. Um, and I think it won't be tough to get um either of these guys talking about more more details of the things we have. So I think I think maybe what what we'll go to for now in this sort of a the sort of intro idea is a little bit of the of the overall good and bad, and then yes. we can talk about where you know where we want to go to from our discussion from here. So maybe maybe we'll start with Dan. So so let's you know overall idea the good of the game like why someone should play it and then the bad like why why might a person not make this their game why you know who is this yeah. game for who is it not for so I mean one. It's actually a good cost game. Um, it, it sounds weird to say that, but I think Steve pointed this out. You, at maximum, you're only playing with yourself. You're only playing with maybe six Titans maximum, right? Maybe eight Titans if you fit like eight War. Cheapest 200, 200 divided by what's 15, uh, 1600 is what? Eight, yeah, eight Titans. At the most you play with eight Titans, and that's like maximum, right? With the cheapest loadout. And the box sets that actually come out for the set are actually very affordable. So I know you talk about the original box set with two warlords and six knights and some outdated rules, some terrain and, and tokens and everything. That's not really the best box set, but they, the, the first iteration battle force that they had, if you could find it, is in my opinion the best box set that they ever produced for the game. It came with a warlord, a reaver, and two warhounds. I mean, I... Buy two of those boxes. You don't need to buy anything else ever again for the game, in my opinion. Unless you want to buy like extra stuff. That, that was it. So that's how I started the game. I bought two of those boxes for 20% off. That, that, that was it. Um, the second iteration Battle Force, I believe right now, is a Warlord, a Warbringer, a Reaver, and two Warhounds? Is that what it is? Someone correct me? Yeah. Basically, it's that plus the, what you had before plus the Warbringer. That one's out of print. I think they stopped making that one a year. Year and a half ago, two years ago. That's actually not a bad deal. I didn't even know they the made that. They're, one. Like, they're, they're like Christmas boxes. Yeah, it came and went really fast. Yeah. Oh, Apparently, Jesus, that's really. Every weird. now and then, you could find that on a shelf somewhere. Like, oh yes, I need that. Yeah. So pick those. And, the, and even the, the the now iteration is not bad. The only thing I don't like about it is that it comes with a knight, but it comes with two reavers, two warhounds, and two lancer knights, yeah. and still the rule book, token, paper. Uh, 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 Terminals, uh, it's but everything you need to play the game. Yeah. For how much? <laughs> MSRP is one fifty. Your yeah, local game store, if they're cutting your discount, they could go. They could advertise as low as one twenty five. I think is the limit GW puts on them. And I'll, I'll send you to one fifty. One fifty for a game. One yes, one fifty gives you an entire army for the game, all the rules you need, 
And this is a 1250 force. I think the standardized game is maybe that to 1750. So yeah, throw in a warlord and that's everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're done. Congratulations. Um, so, I mean, if you're looking at cost, it, this is, there's, I think, I, I dare say this is the cheapest game you could buy next to like Warcry. No, because even Warcry, you need like the, 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 like the $100 box for like terrain and stuff. So, honestly, I think this is the cheapest game you can get at the GW with. I, 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 I'm not going to mm. put my money on that, but I'm going to definitely say this is definitely one of the cheapest ones. On top of that, and we mentioned it before, you have the rules, the, the full rule library. If you want to buy campaign books, you buy the campaign books. If you just want to buy the rule book with the loyalist, because you play loyalist, you just buy that. Um, it, it's just a great game. It's it's a sexy looking game with great models, good cost, good rules. There's really no bad. Anyway, that's my rant. So, so why might someone not play this game? Why would this not be the game for someone? Okay, I'm going to be honest. If you're really intimidated, and this is me, so I'm going to be honest mm-hmm. about myself. I did not paint my titans. You know, I didn't paint my titans. Mm-hmm. I uh, I hired a uh, commission painter to paint them because I know my level of skill. I painted my custodians. I painted my mechanicum. I painted my white scars. These titans were not something I was able to paint. The level of detail, the level of 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 trim, the level. Now there are ways to you know do it correctly and do it well i was not able to do that um so that might intimidate you that might intimidate you um that you have to spend that much time kind of painting and kind of doing it so if you're like that ocd super detailed painter maybe not the game for you especially if you want your army to look nice because it's going to take you maybe a month to just do one titan um but it doesn't mean that they're not hard to paint. It's just, you know, I, I wanted them painted well. That's the yeah. nice way to put that. That makes sense. All right, we'll, we'll go to Steve yeah. next. And so, so why should someone play this? Why yeah. might they steer clear of this game? So the thing I love about this game is that it gives you these great, like, these moments, right? Where just things happen. It's like, wow. That was intense. These narrative beats that happen organically, you know, like another game's like, you know, I'm gonna play a stratagem because my captain's gonna do this amazing, spectacular feat. Like, nah, this is just a thing that organically develops. Like, oh no, my warhound blew up because its reactor was too hot. But in that process, you know, I damaged the warlord because Titans don't really die quietly, right? So you get these moments that are just wow. Um, and even if you don't have those crazy moments, just like here and there's these little things happen it tells a story this game tells a story every time you deploy and you know like dan said the rules are great we've been gushing out models this entire time and the 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 setting is just a great thing too it's one of those things where it's like yeah i'm gonna throw on some weird like gothic choir music in the background roll some dice and go engine kill like it's just a fun (laughs) thing to let yourself get nerd. lost in a fucking nerd no one does that let me just hide my um music. <laughs> now the the, the, the downsides it might push someone away and this has happened with a couple people i've talked to is some people that have been tabletop gaming for a long time 
have GW Burnout. Oh, yeah. And That's a big thing. They'll look at other games that are currently being made, and they'll be like, wait a minute, you know, they did what with that game? I don't trust them to, you know, to, t- to treat this game right. They're just going to, you know, change it all in the next edition, make it all invalid. But that's not how they're treating this game. This game is something that is good, and they're letting that good stay. Like, it's, it's a, good stuff. It's a fair concern, but not necessarily a valid criticism. Yes, you know. exactly. Um, and then, like, just some, like, nitpicky things when you get to actual gameplay. Um, you know, some scenarios work better at certain game sizes than others. Um, and then, you know, if you're playing a knight army, that makes everything a little bit weird. But other than that, like, this is, I love this game. I don't know if I could ever say like, you know, this game is not for people who like tight rule sets because it has a tight rule set. It's not for people who, you know, who need a story. It's got story to it. Like it's got, it's got everything. So I, I think for me, what I would say is um, for the good part of it, you know, y- you have the makings of all the things that you, I, I would think as someone who plays a war game would want in a game. You have good looking models. You have a, a nice rule set. You have an ease of, of entry overall. Um, the ease is a bit complicated due to being able to paint and things like that. Because like I said, these models, you are, you're painting them in stages or you mu- you're probably not getting the level of paint that you want out of it and you might not be a person who cares and if that's you that's fine but if you're someone who is invested into the hobby you probably want to try to do your best on it which is going to delay your ability to play the game because yeah you're going to be putting these together you're going to be doing skeletons first then you're going to be painting panels and putting all that together um so i, I think it has a lot of the makings of what you want in a game um to me i think the biggest downside um, to the game, and this is true of uh, of a variety of games, but I think it's more true for some of these specialist games. Is depending on where you live and who is around you and all your ability to actually get a chance to play it. So getting a use out of your investment could be fine, or it could be exceedingly difficult. You know, um, it, it it's you know sort of a running joke on some other podcasts that they mention Titanicus and like they say it's the best game you're not playing. You know, where we are, we we are lucky to be at, at stores where we're able to foster communities and there's players and they kind of got in themselves. It can be hard to get people into a specialist game. You know, it could be the burnout from GW. It could be that they're playing a variety of other GW games. It could be, yeah, you know, the cost isn't bad, but there's a cost of time commitment and a, a gameplay commitment. And some people aren't looking for that. So I would say that the biggest... Um, issue you might find is if there are not people near you who play is trying to get people to play. Um, you know, we've talked in the past on the podcast, some strategies to get people involved in the games you like and everything like that. But unfortunately when it does come to more niche games, you, it is a bigger and bigger hill to climb. Although if you really do like it, if you like the sound of it, if you look through it, you know, um, it's not always the easiest to find on GW's website. If you go on the website, you do type in Titanicus. Um, they don't have a nice little separate heading right across the top. But you can look through, you can scroll through and just see how nice it looks. But um, you know, there, there's some other there's some other downsides. Um, some people don't want skirmish games. This is absolutely other than you know, even compared to Marvel Crisis Protocol, this is the most skirmish of skirmish games because of how few things you can have and all that. 
But I would say the biggest problem is, you know, are you going to realistically get to play? And I think before you invest in any war game, that's a question you have to ask yourself and figure out, are you going to put money, time, and effort into something and get that return on investment? That's not to say, though, that there's absolutely people who paint and do stuff like that and don't have any intention of playing. But if you do want to play, see if you can get some friends in first, talk to some people, try to drum up that interest, because the last thing we would want you to do is get all this stuff, get nicely put together, and everyone just tell you, nah, we're, we're, we're doing this other game instead. We're not looking at it. I, I, I will say, as a slight side note, I would dare say, and Steve can agree with me or disagree with here, I would dare say that Heresy is a much harder game to introduce to people than Titanicus, only because Heresy, because they're both niche games, but Heresy is all resin, all Forge World, with the exception of um, the plastic box they released a year ago. And they might be releasing a new plastic box, but we don't know. They haven't released any info. Whereas Titanicus has a plastic box. It, yeah. It's a box. So it is a little easier. Like it's almost like the Necromunda. It's, it, it's like Necromunda level easier because it's, it's got the box in front of you. You don't have to order it from Forge World. But just it's a very good valid point. But it, it's it's not a bad it's not a bad comparison. But I th- comparing it, you know, if you're talking about GW properties, but like Heresy is probably you know like depending on where you live, could be like one of the hardest games to get people into. You know, and if you're on the East Coast, some other stuff might be as hard. Like if you want to play Wild West Exodus, you know, go go to California. But you know that might be one of the toughest because like you said yeah there's not it's not easy to get and it's very expensive to get this is at least easier to get overall definitely cheaper to get overall but when it's a smaller game it's more niche and that makes it tougher Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they do have it on tabletop simulator though so there is at least always those sort of options and there's tons of facebook groups and discord servers and all that kind of stuff about it so if you're just itching to play and maybe where you are you can't necessarily uh get your friends to play there's options. There's digital options. You can try it out, you know, get into it and see and maybe talk to other people and find out that, you know, maybe there's a store within an hour of you that plays and maybe they host stuff or something. So um, any other closing thoughts, gentlemen? Um, I'm, I just want to shout out, listen, if you are going to buy Titanicus, mm-hmm. you can always bling out your Titans. I, I remember I did want to shout out because I know I shout them out a lot, but Versatile terrain makes nameplates for titans. Um, mm-hmm. Battle bling uh, makes <laughs> well bling for your titans. Um, and there's just if you own a if, if you own a printer, there's just so much shit you could print for your titans. Yeah. I mean, for Christ's sake, Steve, the, the knight player that we had at the event, remember his? He had a whole corn knight army. I wish I was yeah. joking about this. But all of his knights were so heavily modified to look like corn knights. Chains, bells, the the, the works. They were all just 3D printed. Like, it was just nuts. It was nuts. Yeah. So, like, did chaos upgrades, sprues, little bits from here and there. The skulls box yeah. is a big one, too. Yeah. yeah, so you can literally just, you can, like, if you do like this game, you do step in. There's a warning. It's the ocean is vast. <laughs> yep. It's one of those things where you will get lost. So good luck. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. 
you, you it, it's kind of tough to dabble in this because there's how potentially a few models you need if you're getting in you're getting in you're gonna have a full list it won't take many models to do it but you're gonna get in and get a full list you're not playing like oh, yeah. you're not playing the game at like 500 points or anything like that you know you're you're you gotta you gotta go for it if you're gonna do it not necessarily um i guess this could be a time to uh talk a little bit about what i've been doing um so okay. at the club by me i've been running a league for the last month and a half now Mm-hmm. Um, slowly building up in points values, and we had an event two weeks ago to kind of cap off the first leg of the thing. Um, so we started really small, 750 points. It lets you do two Warhounds and a Reaver, three Warhounds and some Knights. You know, a little bit of variety, not a ton, but it lets you get into the mechanics of the game, right? right. It's a little over half the starter box. Uh, you know, get the starter box, Extra box of Warhounds, and that's two people's worth of stuff right there. Mm-hmm. And that's a completely valid and enjoyable game to play. Um, but now we're, we've set that up another 500 points. We're playing 1250 right now, which you can, mm-hmm. which because of the way list building works, it you could go up to 1500 in the league's rules. Um, and now all of a sudden, like a guy's like, wait a minute, I could drop a warlord on the table now. So, you know, we got one guy. That has a warlord and two warhounds and a manifold, and you know, he's doing cool stuff. Um, so even at smaller point games, it's something you know, it's inter- interesting stuff going on. But you definitely, at some point, you got to play a big one. Um, yeah. at the event, I set up a 2v2 game, and I'm sure Dan has some strong feelings on that. No, I loved it. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I loved it. I, I oh, had strong feelings. Bad, strong feelings. Oh, okay. <laughs> strong feelings. Um, oh, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the event was the battle for the Rocky Land Space Elevator. I built this insane four foot two um, spire, which represents the base of the space elevator, kind of like the one in uh, the Halo games. At its base, it is two feet across in an X shape. Um, and it was the center of the scenario. Um, you know, we had two players per side, each brought a 1250 list. Um, Dan, the madman, brought two warlords and two warhounds and a manacle and launched them across the table. On the other side of the board, we had um, a Legion Tempestus player that was bad for the loyalists, split his army in two, gave half to a guy that just wanted to play, you know, get a feel for the game. Um, and one of his reavers was carrying what's called a warp missile. Sorry, not warp missile, a vortex missile. Turn one's like, you know what? I'm gonna fire this missile. What could go wrong? Oh lord. Oh yeah. Double, double black hole at the center of the table. And this thing is moving around turn by turn, ripping out huge chunks of support struts on this tower. And fortunately, I made the thing modular, but also pretty stable once we were moving parts. So as sections were being ripped apart of this giant megalithic build i take one of the struts you know you know what you broke the left side of this building roll the scouter die dan he rolls it what happened dan it landed on me (laughs) yeah um yeah it landed on me i survived um the two enemy warhounds that it also landed on um not so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just those types of games are just 
like I said, it's it's so like it's hard to explain. It's hard to give credits to narrative play. It's it, you can do narrative, but this wasn't really a narrative game. This was a matched play with with a narrative attached to it, right? So this was a match play game with narrative attached to it. But the narrative came naturally. You know what I mean? The fact that these stupid <laughs> the stupid void missile did like I'm a traitor player. I'm supposed to be killing civilians and attaching their dead carcasses to my body. The fact that a loyalist player launched a void missile and did more civilian damage than I did with all of my titans dying and shooting is hilarious. And I like at the end of the match, I was like, "Well, you sure you don't want to be for the traitor side, civilians? Because uh, look what the loyalist did. That's a lot of collateral damage. Join the war master. You know, we don't do this to our friends. You know, so it's it's, it's a kind of funny narrative. Ah, it's just it's a good game. It's a good game." Get top three, top three games that I play, top three games that I play. That's a hard list to to to, to, to yeah. be in because I'm very picky. All right, um, we will definitely have to pick more up of this later because we obviously didn't get through even everything of just those basics. But hopefully, this at least you know gives people some sort of of idea, some sort of vantage point. Obviously, I said go look it up. You know. I'm sure any of us would be more than happy to talk about the game at any point. Um, I do want to thank anyone, everyone, and anyone who does listen for listening. Um, like I said, I do apologize for missing last week, but we had a few things come up. And with the holidays, it makes it a bit rough. But once we get into the new year, things, at least for me, lighten up. And I think for a lot of people in general, lightens up, or at least the, the stresses of the season kind of go away, and that helps a lot. Um, we're definitely going to do more on Titanicus. I, I at least would like to be able to continue this discussion, go through a more in-depth rules dive, and then there's various books, and I think that would be good to be able to talk about those, about different legions, just just things of interest since we have um, – this is a game that there's, a, at least from our perspective, a lot of interest in. Um, I'm not entirely sure what we're going to do related to next week. Um, PAX Unplugged just occurred, so we definitely want to be able to discuss that and talk about things. It's going to be a little more, um, probably a little more board game focused, although Dan did do a Horse Heresy event there, so we'll go through that. But we'll discuss some board games and some other good stuff. Maybe we'll try to see if there's um, anyone else um, who wants to come on and talk about um, their experience at PAX as well. Um, As always, um, I said thank you for listening. If you want to reach out, um, the email is trainkickersnj at gmail.com. I'll work on some other, um, once the school year ends, some other useful ways to, to get a hold of us and all. But on behalf of everyone, um, we will see you all next time. And thank you. See you next time.